Hello and welcome to Net That Hall. It's the second episode of the preseason. Today we're going to be focusing on goalkeepers and defenders, analysing and ranking them at all price points. But of course, the most important news of the episode is we have a special guest from Man on Pod. We have Craig himself, a defender by trade, and he's here to join us. So just a quick shout out to the haulers. Craig, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, looking forward to this one. Good intro at Neymar as well. It was, uh, I was impressed by how smooth that was. I had to do more in 30 seconds than I've done in the last three years of our content. Um, that was tough. I had to make you proud, Craig, after this picture of you on the thumbnail. For any podcast listeners, come and check the one-minute timestamp. You can see Craig playing at the Emirates. Superstar defender, as I say. So today, we're going to go straight into it. Just going to quickly shout out Gabe and Mariner as well, of course. We've got the whole crew. Hopefully, we'll be here for most of preseason. We've got six episodes planned. So tune in for midfielders next week, you know, forwards the week after. Some more special guests will be announced as well. And then we'll go to match-up schedule as usual from uh, the week commencing, I think, is it August 6th for the Friday the 11th deadline. So see you for all the content, guys. All right, so we'll start with uh, your philosophy. So I think this is a nice addition that Gabe has added to get each guest to give their philosophy as well as their kind of lessons learned from last season like we did last week. So if you missed that, go check the first episode. You can hear from the three of us. Today, it's all about Craig, though. So hit it up for us. Yeah, it was quite funny. As soon as I put this in the chat, Gabe found it quite funny, which I thought was quite funny. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know that we don't really see FPL and the players as as investments. Uh, um, I think a lot of people that, that don't really like that word used when it comes to, to buying and selling players in FPL. But I'm very much a manager that focuses on team value, um, especially at the start of the season. I, I get really annoyed if my players go down in price early in the season. Um, so that's my number one sort of philosophy and quote to, to start a season is don't don't suffer any price drops. So don't pick players in your draft at the start that you think are at risk of going down maybe early on and maybe can get onto this later on. There'll be some players that maybe fit that criteria. And if a player is going to go down, then do something about it, even if it's early in the game week and you'd rather wait for more information and, and things like that, um, do something about it. So I tend to end the season quite often with about 105 million team value. It wasn't overly helpful to me last year because we had so many cheap players, but hopefully this year, given the way the game's been priced up, maybe I will be able to afford Trent, Salah and Haaland. You never know by the end of the season. So Sounds good I, I've to me. Early on. What are your thoughts on this game? Because obviously your initial reaction was you loved it, but you were also laughing at the same time. I think Mariner looks at every philosophy each week the same, but I'm sure we'll wait for his reaction when it comes to Gabe's philosophy because that's also in the show today. But yeah, yeah why, I, why don't you hit us up? I, I love a couple of things about this. The, the first thing that I love about it is like just the thought of Warren Buffett channeling his inner Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Um, I, I think just like seeing Warren Buffett in a Fight Club context is amazing. It's just an amazing picture. Um, and then the, the second thing I love about this is while everybody's talking about players and this player's price, this, that, and the other, um, and, and this was on, you guys talked about this quite a bit on your most recent pod, Craig, um, when you guys analyzed your, your first drafts, it was, yeah. it was about the idea of like being safe, like not being forced into a transfer just because you're losing money. And then you're like almost two steps back. And I, and yeah. I don't think, uh, and I, and I think you guys are the first ones I think that are, that are going right to that conversation. And I, I know you spoke about bell, um in in that pod as as a potential for that to happen so um so i like that it went um kind of like a more baseline narrative and then i like the contrast of warren buffett and tyler durden yeah with bell it could all end in tears couldn't it 
<laughs> that's Mariner's like daily philosophy. So it'll all end in tears. <laughs> well, think of all the well, memes you'll be able well, to do. No, I mean, look from from my side, I think it's a good point what you make, Craig. To be honest, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be team value can be really important. It wasn't so much last year. I think I tend to agree. It's a good job because mine was terrible, but in the past, mine's been really good. But I think I was almost like too cautious. Almost. Dude, mine was a mess, man. Chris, mine was I, horrible. I, I I had to like move quick on Matoma in like game week twenty four for a hit because like even though he blanked in game week twenty five, just so I'd have him for when the doubles come. And mm-hmm. then I had him started him for all his blanks. Came to the week I finally got my second player March, and then that's the week like I benched Matoma and he got like thirteen points. And then I remember speaking to Gabe back then, and he was like, "Why did you mention Matoma? That's your guy. You come on the show with Japan national team jersey." <laughs> totally. And um, so I had to move quick because of low team value. Got burnt for a couple of weeks, and then like got suckered into the drafts. That's on Twitter, mainly starting with March for some reason. And hmm. it's my lesson, as I said from last episode as well, where just nothing, nothing new there, eh? So should we read this out? So the first rule of investing is never to lose money. The second rule of investing is not to forget rule one. Warren Buffett. I thought it was Warren Buffet. I thought it was somewhere in Scunthorpe, but it's where you're going to get a sandwich. <laughs> oh, I love it. So speaking of lessons learned, obviously it would be good to hear your golden rules for game week one as well, Craig. Yeah, some of these are mine. I don't think all of them are. Um, but um, yeah, the first one on this list, don't try and be too clever. You won't win FPO in game week one, but you will lose it. I think that's fair. Um, I don't know whose who's golden rule that is. I think mine might be near the bottom of this list. That was me. Do you like what I do to keep you on your feet? You've come on the show, you're five minutes in, and you're being given the host content to read yeah. out while I sit here sipping on my drink. <laughs> Warm welcome to Craig. Uh, when, 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 when you come onto the ship, you start at the bottom, Craig. You, you start like, like just ask Hibble. You're, you're a deckhand. <laughs> Yeah, you're a deckhand. Shall I take over? And then I'll come to you in a second, Craig. Yeah, that's good. has dropped you in the shit. Um, <laughs> no, I just wanted to do at least the one, like just, just the one. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the key things which um, for me is don't lock in a transfer for game week two because two transfers in game week three can be very, very valuable indeed. Um, again, you know, you don't know. We don't know an awful lot. And I think this year, again, the, when we look at the some of the players which we see today, um, there's a number of things which will, will start to come clear as we get, you know, slowly as we get into the season. And game week three, you know, two transfers plus perhaps a minus four, and you can have a little mini wildcard. Um, I think that's an important one. Um, I always like the idea, and I, I, I don't know about you guys, but personally, I think it's important. I always keep 0.5 in the bank. I don't use all my money um, because the inevitable bandwagon will appear and a shock price rise will appear because we can't predict when the price is prices are going to change early on because the algorithms are all to shit. So, um, again, I, I get a bit worried about that. And there's another one, actually, which is a quite important one. I'll come back to the captaincy because it's a similar thing. Is It's easier to drop down in price than go up. So perhaps a Gabriel Jesus might be a decent option for an 8 million forward to be able to then drop down to a seven, seven point five or somebody. It's that type of example, really. Um, I think Craig, do you want to come in and just uh, have a? I think the bottom two are yours for sure. I know that. I, uh, I yeah, I agree with that 
drop down one in my current draft we spoke about it on the man on pod we did yeah. today i've got son in my team for the same reason at the moment because you can drop 0.5 down from him at 9 million i think the only players you can't really get to from him are seller or kdb anyone yeah. else is, is possible from son so he, he ticks that box as well yeah. um so yeah my, my sort of golden rules include only two to three players um that you would sort of classify as punts and try and generally make these low-owned assets so to avoid price drops. So at the moment, I quite like Kevin Sade from Brentford um, in this spot. 5.5 million, I think, could be quite low-owned. Possibility he'll play centre-forward. He ticks that box perfectly as a bit of a punt player. Um, don't think there's really any risk that he'll go down in price if he doesn't play or get as many minutes as we hope he will. Um, and then cover the higher template players um, to avoid falling too far behind unnecessarily early on. So... We'll talk about players like this tonight. Someone like a stupid and at the minute, it's like 50% owned. I think there's valid arguments for and against him, but I want him on side because he does get 15 points against Wigan. My game week rank, uh, not Wigan, Luton even. Oh my God, Wigan from against Luton. <laughs> Wigan? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I called Christian Romero a striker once when he first signed for uh, Spurs. Where Wigan come from in my head? But it, it's not impossible we could get 15 points against Luton, right? And if he's 50% owned, your game week rank is going to be about 6 million just by not having him. Uh, it's not worth the risk, is it? So no. within reason, cover the higher template players. There'll obviously be a couple. That I, I, think that's, go I, think, I think that's very I think that's that's very good. I think, yeah, that's a, a great point because... It's, again, I think it comes back to that first one, doesn't it? Really, don't try to be too clever too soon. I think, you know, sometimes go with the herd to start with and and just sort of like pick your battles and perhaps your battle isn't game week one. <laughs> I, I just want to add C Hunt's comment as well to add to the mm -hmm. conversation and spice it up a bit. So thank you for your support as well. One of our haulers, YouTube member here. We got, he honestly <coughs> really disagrees with the whole you can lose <laughs> FDR on game week one. You should always be looking for gains with sound reasoning. And I think that's where it hits the kind of nail on the head is with a sound reasoning. And I think mm -hmm. trying to be too clever, too quick may not be the most sound reasoning. Um, so like not starting with Haaland in game week one this year, whether you want to captain him or not, but just not starting with him, for example, when everyone else costs nine million below. Yeah. It's a bit wild for me, for example. Like, I don't know if I'd do that after the kind of season I had last yeah. year. So. I agree. I, I'm, I'm going to agree yeah, with yeah. Connor. I'm going to agree with Connor there. I, I think the the easiest thing to do in, in game week one is overreact, and that's what everybody's going to do, whether it's good, bad, mediocre, whatever. It, game week one is it's it's a game week just like game week 23 is a game week. So like, if we're going to can you lose FPL in game week 23? Probably not, right? So you can't lose it in game week one either. So I, I kind of agree with Connor there. That's a really nice one of our uh, nuance. Is quite good for this because we, we looked through the guy that won FPL this year and how many bad weeks he had hmm. and how many good weeks he had and how many ranks he had inside the top 500k, how many weeks he had outside the top 5 million. And he even he still had five or six weeks over a season that were sort of outside the top 5 million. Right. Um, and he could still win FPL. So ideally you wouldn't have that in game week one, one of those disaster weeks, but you, you can get away with a couple of them. But I think I think ideally, if you can aim for like a top one million game week rank every week for thirty eight weeks, and you don't have those four or five outside top five million, like you say, I think top one million even if that's your goal every week, that can get you probably but, to win the game. I, mean, you win I don't, the game, think, I don't think that's realistic. Like I, 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 I think it, yeah, you need to do do plan for look. Yeah. I I can I can stomach like like say three like seven million and above ranks. As long as I have another, like I think you need to see like a top hundred k rank. 
Yeah, I think you're no, right. Nobody's going to go a million, a million, a million, a million, like for the whole season. No, but that's, but that's my point, Gabe. So you're not going to do it. So I think you've addressed it even better because mm. I'm saying if you did, you'd win. But we mm. don't win because we don't. So now right. we need to minimize the losses on the weeks. We accept the losses on, like you're saying, yeah. so there's four or five, five, seven million ranks. But then try and really gain. And I think that's something that like we've seen some managers when they use their chips, that like those three, four weeks, you know, Andy Martin is in the chat. He mm -hmm. took a lot of red arrows where he started game weeks. I was like, I think if I drop, you know, 10 or 20%, I expect that. If it's 40%, that will have been brutal to my decision-making. Like, not fair. But then he'd make up those gains elsewhere, like when he triple capped in KDB. I thought I'd get that in there. Um, we're two seasons away from those days now, uh, Andy. But <laughs> I'll still bring it up for you. Um, you and Pingreen are up there with my favorite content creators, even though you might not call yourself one. But um, yeah, so should we go to your philosophy of the week, Gabe? And then we'll say a few hellos to everyone in the chat and go into the defenders and goalkeeper metrics. Right on. Cool. All right. So we've got your philosophy of the week, preseason episode two. Okay. FPL philosophy. Um, let's see. There it is. Okay. Uh, it comes from Abraham Lincoln, and he said, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. And I chose that for this because we're just getting into like, the player analysis. We're getting into goalkeepers and defenders. Um, and we all have kind of different ways of sharpening our axe, so to speak, for, for the FPL season. Um, Rubber Ducky, for example, he's in the chat. He said that he's, he's planned his transfers for the first 19 game weeks. Obviously, like you don't take that too seriously. He's not gonna like um, hold his his own feet to the fire to to do that. But it helps him just kind of sharpen his mind and, and look looks forward and, and and look at like where you know maybe where things might change for him. So it gives him just kind of like a larger canvas to work off of. That now some people might want to avoid doing drafts altogether. Maybe they, maybe drafts annoy them or or they they clutter their mind. So they're gonna like just let it sit and then just pick it up the game week before you have to find your own way to, to, uh, to sharpen your own ax. But, um, but I think it's, it's just like this planning and trying things on that's, uh, that's super important without really getting too focused on what the end result is going to be yet. It's just the exploration time. I think that fits FPL very well. Um, but as we're 14 minutes in, we'll give this a couple minutes discussion and then we'll go into the metrics, but I did promise I'll go to Mariner's reaction first. Once we saw the man on the toilet, who for the podcast listeners, you're really missing out. But um, well, Cone, I, give Cone's me six comment. hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. What the fucking hell are you on about? Well, okay, that's good. The first curse of fourteen <laughs> minutes in. You stuck to the thirty-second rule. I love that. <laughs> no, no. All, with all seriousness, I, I'm, I'm. You know me, Gabe. I always struggle to try and see through these, but this is probably. All right, so you're going to take your time and then you're going to deliver the killer blow. You don't want to work with subpar tools, I think, is the... Uh, the ah, now we're the talking. Lesson. Now we're So you talking. want to make sure your tools are well and sharpened and honed and tweaked and tuned for the, for the season, whether whatever those tools may be. So, so who is an unsuitable tool? for the start of the season, Gabe, then who would be your unsuitable tool? If we're talking players? Yes. Oh, there, there can only be one, Mariner. Oh, come on, go. Darwin Nunez, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he came up in the Defenders episode. <laughs> 
the uh, 80 million pound backup everything it, it, it took me a while to get to that point but i got there in the end didn't i i got it out of you as usual i know I, yeah, I can see i sort of like can see what where you're coming from here so yeah as you know i'm not well i'm not well known for philosophy yeah no, but you, you, even even you, you put most of your your work in now, like on the metrics and and, and all. So you're honing your tools right now, and then when you get into the season, you're like you you just go. You're not like tweaking the metrics or anything like that. So you already. Yeah, I sometimes wonder it's driving me mad. This <laughs> everything drives anyway, me mad all the there time. There we go. <laughs> Let, let's crack on, shall we? But yeah, great one. I like that. Yeah. Now I so figured we'll it out. A few shout outs in the chat before we go. So I'm just looking at. The timestamp 1634 for the podcast listeners. Feel free to skip forward about two minutes as we shout out everyone who's here live to support the show. We have lots of guests in the house, 36 people already here. We've got our first guest of the night, however, Rubber Ducky with the quack quack or squeak squeak, as we say, because rubber ducks don't quack. The quack is back. We also have Eamon, actually. So Eamon's my cousin in Manchester. He actually uh, met up with us when we did a FPL meets there last year after the Football Content Awards. So like I said last episode, please help us make it a hat-trick to get nominated as a finalist in the Football Content Awards again. We have Andy Martin. Good evening. He says, great guest. So he's really happy with Craig's appearance tonight. Claire, one of our haulers. Evening. We've got Man on Podcast this year. We've got Man on Podcast this year as well. The official account. Do us proud, Craig. Do we know which of the man on boys could be behind the admin today? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's me on the, my phone, isn't it? it oh, yeah, okay. It's, it's not even Martin or someone. <laughs> he's, he's, he's his own biggest fan. <laughs> I love it. I love that. We've got Tommy Gunn. Good to see you as well. So Tommy obviously played football at the Emirates with us uh, that day, didn't he? Um, he left with an injury of his own, just like your trialist for Team South yesterday. Uh, <laughs> looks like football with the FPL community is dangerous. Cleo Langley, net that hole, the real motherfucking XGs. I like that. We'll have to find a way to work that into a song. Podna, good to see you, buddy. Pato, good day all. Michael uh, Farquharson, Farquharson. Let us know if we're pronouncing that right. Mike Halpin, good to see you. You've got that shark emoji, the new members badges on YouTube if you want to show your support there. There's a Nima shock emoji if you find it. Feel free to use that and spam it. Um, I'll find some better emojis for you as we go on. Nils Apples, that's very sweet. Thank you. Black Box has to wait. His net that haul is on. We've got oh, yeah. Val, good evening, everyone. We also have some Craig fans. Hopefully this one isn't his third burner account. Wavy Wavy says, first time here. You can blame Craig for that evening, folks. Is that one of your accounts as well, or is this one of Jim? No, it's not. No, I've got a few little secret admirers dotted around Twitter. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll drag a few along to this pod. Sounds good. <laughs> Nick Khan, hello, gents. C Hunt, yes, sir. We've got Brandon. I'm going to be clever in triple captain Holland first match. Jokes. Nehal's here live, so maybe this time zone isn't so bad for Asia. It's just bad for Singapore. Thank God Mariner has come to Dubai to make my life easier. Because, Craig, we were streaming at like 11 p.m. start UK time. And I'd be like uploading the pod at 1 a.m. I don't know how many more seasons I could have handled that, to be honest with you. I think I was going to die or something. Um, Lindsay, evening. Good to see you. We have a uh, Blue Danube Joe. Good to see you, buddy. We've got Delia catching us live at a decent hour. Andy Martin, just to add to the kind of lessons learned chat we were having. So he said in response to what we said about his uh, kind of decisions that season in 21-22, that he finished 2K. He was 5 million franc after game week four. He said, if you're behind, you play differently and you can chase to beat the template. And that's also a really good point, actually. So, like, 
where you are after the first five to 10 game weeks might determine your strategy for the rest of the season and what is acceptable or, you know, within enough uh, risk tolerance to do. So who else? We've got, we've got one more person. Um, so this is just a comment from Wavy Wavy that I, I thought I liked as well. So they said you need to understand what works for you. A weak bench is probably the best strategy, but it's not how I like to play, so I won't go that way. So I like the kind of the acknowledgement to what you're not going to do. And there's a reasoning, as we said, like a sound logic behind it. So that's perfect. Comb as well. Good to see you. We talked about, um, he said, do we need an axe? No one told me. He sounds like he's right up Mariner Street here. So uh, <laughs> um, what else have we got? We've got any other people? We've got Claire as well. Good to see you. We still got Nehal. Time will tell on Nunes. He's uh, he's concerned about your your thoughts about good old Nunes. Um, he's, a, he's holding out hope. Nothing wrong with hope. Oh, no, it's Dronok. Okay, yeah. So it is Dronok on the admin. Craig is just being uh, humble here <laughs> to pretend that there's uh, less than two fans here live watching him. And then, yeah, I think, uh, guys, obviously, put your questions in. We'll start them throughout the show for the Q&A at the end. But Craig's checked that Dronok is in the mail for paying him for showing up. <laughs> it's like, you need to take over the admin. You've been gone too long, man. All right. Good to see everyone here. So 21 minutes in, I'll put this timestamp in the podcast so you can skip ahead from the shout outs. And yeah, we're ready to go, Mariner. Um, I think it's right. FDR for game week one to 10, isn't it? Goalkeepers yeah, and yeah. defense to start. That's right. So let's put it on the screen. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to make it as visual as possible and try to explain it as simply as possible. So here we go. So what you need to be looking for on the screen, and I'll try and explain it for the podcast as well, is uh, the greens and the, I suppose, the supposedly amber, but it's more like a brown, actually, or it looks more of a brown, actually. But anyway, there we go. So um, looking across the screen, what you can see is obviously see your teams. You see the first five fixtures, the first five fixture difficulties for defences, and then you see a summary, one to five, and then you see six to ten. And then at the far side, the team, again, just to give you a little, just that you can trace, trace across. Um, to cut a long story short, and for the benefit of the, the show itself, to get through this before probably half past midnight, my time, um, I've highlighted these green and amber, as I said. Greater than two fixture difficulty. That's by the matchup. So remember what I said, zero, good, seven, bad. Attack against defence. The wider it is, if it's positive, it's it's a positive number, 2.1, that's good. And if it's negative, it means the the the, uh, the attack's better than the defence. So here we go. So a, a matchup above two, who has a game week one matchup above two? Well, we can see Arsenal against Forest, Brighton against Luton, Crystal Palace away at Sheffield United, Manchester City, surprise, surprise, away at Burnley, and Manchester United at Wolves, uh, home to Wolves, right? That's that. But if we look at it from the perspective of the first five game weeks, just to explain it now, City have got three greens. Burnley, Sheffield United, they're both away, and Fulham at home. Palace have got two greens. Sheffield United away, Wolves at home. Arsenal, only one amber, as well as the green earlier on in the uh, on game week one. So immediately there, we know what we said about Arsenal the other week, Neymar, with respect to their defence. If we expect their defence to carry on the way that they did at the end of last season, you might have a problem with Arsenal defence to start with but there's probably plenty of caveats uh which we can i think just about. on that note if you can answer this question from last week's episode when they saw a sneak peek of the defensive fdr yeah. what was so, it again so martinelli gabriel 4821 on youtube asked yeah. for the fdr for the first five game weeks 
Man United's defence is rated better than Arsenal, Chelsea and Newcastle, or am I missing something? And I think, just to say, it is marginal, right? Because, yeah. Very marginal. Very marginal, yeah. So just for the podcast, it says Arsenal's a 0.3 FDR. It's it's all tense and purposes, they're all the same. Yeah, I think that's the best way to look at it. You're right. And and as we always say, we know nothing before game week one. We've not even seen pre-season tactics of teams yet. Correct. But yeah, so Arsenal have only got the the uh, the green against Forest and the uh, the amber against Fulham, um, and that's because they were really bad at home towards the end of last season. They conceded so many chances. You were there, Neymar. <laughs> well, when you can get tickets, yeah. But um, no, I think I don't think it was just the end of last season. I think the defense at home also. Well, it was the second half. This is the second half of the season data, anyway. Just to let yeah, but I'm saying it's just bad throughout. So it's not like it's. I can't even give you the excuse of like it was better and then it got worse. At least with the away defensive form for Arsenal, it was better in the first half to the second. But home, we were terrible defensively all season. So maybe we'll see if that improves. Yeah. So United have got a couple of greens in Wolves and Forest as well. They're nice home fixtures, I think. Certainly very early doors for Manchester United defence, if you ask me. Uh, And Chelsea uh, actually just have one green, one amber. But they both, the Forest, Forest amber, it probably thinks, it feels like a green, but it's not. Very close to a green. But that's game week three and game week four. Luton and Forest both at home. They look very tasty for for Chelsea, if if you uh, if you want to consider going early, uh, uh, you know, home against Liverpool, <laughs> probably that might be more difficult. Although perhaps a, a Reese James or a, a Chilwell might score, um, particularly against Liverpool. Away at West Ham's tougher, I think. But then home against Luton, home Forest, away Bournemouth. So I think once you get into the game, I think Chelsea look quite interesting as well. So yeah, that's the early doors on it, and you can see anyone who isn't mentioned basically. I've just you know Liverpool. One amber, that tells a story. Interestingly enough, or Aston Villa, a team who I know we're going to talk about the 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 next year in a second on next year against the fixture field doesn't treat them as well as Gabe's net xG, and maybe you've got some points on that, Gabe. But mm. I'll, I'm going to come, Craig. I'm going to come to you. Um, our fixture difficulty is a lot more complex than most. Yep. You probably look at an awful lot of fixture difficulties. Um, and probably have your own perspective on it. But give us your perspective of what I've just showed you there. Is there anything which you you genuinely disagree with on the basis of what you've just seen? Or is there, you know, a, you know give us your view. Um, I think Arsenal, I would rank higher. They obviously didn't. Yeah. If, if this was based on the second half of last season, there was no Saliba. Holding played a lot of games. Um, a few games, Jorginho played as well, who's not quite the same sort of defensive-minded six as maybe Party or Declan Rice will be now. So I think Rice coming, maybe Timber coming, if that goes through in time, and Saliba coming back to play with Gabriel, I think makes Arsenal stronger. So mm-hmm. I would rank them up a little bit. The same with Crystal Palace on the flip side. I think I think it's common knowledge. Their fixture list at the end of last season was quite easy. Hence why results improved a lot once Hodgson came in to replace Vieira. So I'm not saying those fixtures aren't particularly great for them. On paper, they don't look especially good to me. Um, those two away games, I wouldn't value that highly. And home to Arsenal, I wouldn't expect a clean sheet. So I think the first three, I wouldn't value the clean sheet that highly. I'm not against having one as a no. Joe Jim Anderson or something like that as a fourth defender, even Sam Johnston in goal. But um, 6.1 seems incredibly high. And the distance between them at second there compared to what third is, is quite substantial, isn't it? Mm. So... 
I think they're, they're the big ones. On here as well, there's so many new things to consider. So Tottenham, new manager, new goalkeeper, what difference will that have? Um, Man United may play very differently now that Mason Mount's there. It may be a subtle thing, but it could have quite a big impact. Liverpool are in some form of transition in terms of tactics. How will that rank? Um, Chelsea are a big unknown how they're going to play. So I, I like this as a, as a starting point. I think this a lot of this will probably play out to be fairly accurate. Um, but it's, it's one of those things, again, that you take it with a pinch of salt. You add it to all the other sort of forms of data you've got and your eye test and your general feelings about things. And you can, you can manoeuvre all that together and come out with a, with a conclusion. But on the whole, from what I can see of this, it looks... The, the bulk of it, I would say, looks fairly accurate. I think I think the point is we make, again, it's something that uh, we always say on that, that hall is we don't spoon feed. You know, people have to come in and then, like you say, and you've just done it perfectly, actually. What you've done is you've... You've looked at the numbers, and then what you've done is you've 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 looked behind the numbers and said, well, actually, I think that one's maybe a little bit low, that one's a bit high, and you've put the caveats there, and that's exactly what we do on the show, isn't it, Gabe? Uh, every week. Yeah, yeah, and, and I agree with Craig and the, the ones he mentioned. Arsenal and and, and Palace also had uh, psychological factors involved with uh, with Roy returning and, and just a complete kind of change in style, kind of from the um, constipated style that that Vieta had for for a while. Um, if you can call it that, it's constipated football. <laughs> the, the Palace before Roy came back, it was like constipation, like nothing would come out. <laughs> or, or, or was it just shit? It wasn't even shit. It couldn't even get to shit because it was just like. <laughs> I, think, um, I think just but... on that note, so Cleo in the chat. Neighbors have given up. So Cleo in the chat also says Palace away at Sheffield is hardly an easy fixture. Will be a massive struggle. So that's obviously the first game. Mm. I think it was ranked 2.2. What I'm going to mm. do, Chris, is because I see you have like, I'm not going to say the number out loud, but you have a lot more of the content to go. I'm going to go ahead to the next slide and put it back on screen in a second because I well, think that I, was yeah. a good conversation Just, to start us yeah. up and we have no, a lot no, of content. Let's what, keep it one, going. One, one quick comment in, in that most of those, uh, as far as the FDR is concerned, you can see for the first five, there are, uh, there's a lot oh, of red. There's a lot of red. So maybe heavy investment in defense isn't, um, isn't advisable. No. No, yeah. that's right. Um, I jumped past those other two, Neymar. Oh, I see. Oh, we might have to do So I'll let, no, I'll no, let you I drive then. I, I was going to use them. I've put them there for in case we need to refer to anything later. Oh, in the Q&A. Okay. So, so you skip um, ahead then. Yeah, you keep skipping as your Yeah, case. so NetXG on there, NetXGA. So NetXG against. So this mm -hmm. is Gabe's metric, which is which is calculated, Craig, to let you know. I'll let him explain it one day. It's far too bloody complex. I just write the Excel <laughs> spreadsheets. But anyway, um, from that side of it, what we're looking for is a low number here, and you'll see if we've made those green. So basically, uh, what have we got here? Well, who's who's best treated out of these early fixtures? Actually, Aston Villa. You see a nice run of green, some fairly decent green fixtures, actually. Uh, home Everton, away Burnley, home Palace. Uh, Arsenal have got two, home Forest, away Everton. Interesting, it doesn't like Fulham um, so much. It thinks that Fulham might get something in game week three. Um, Manchester City, two. Manchester United, so Manchester City 2, which one, which two? Um, interestingly enough, Sheffield United and Fulham. Um, the others are very close to one, but just sneaking above one. And I did, Gabe, I used one as the as the number here. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether you agree, but I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, one's um, 
Manchester United 2 as well. Wolves and Notts Forest, surprise, surprise. Newcastle against uh, Aston Villa in game week one as well. And Chelsea, um, they've only got one, um, which is Nottingham Forest. And not even, even the Luton game, although we don't know anything about Luton, quite frankly, right now. It's 10 unknowns when you're starting talking about the first 10 game weeks with Luton. So, again, these data, it's all with a pinch of salt. But I think yeah. what, what it's telling me here is that there is some divergence between different fixture difficulties. We, I think we've seen that all across uh, all the different fixture difficulties across the game so far. I've seen Luton being ranked second best, you know, or third best. You know, quite frankly, that's rubbish. Um, but equally, you know, we've got Aston Villa treated very well on one side and not on the other. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, then you start thinking, like you say, Craig, about potentially new assets. And I know we're going to talk about it later. But, you know, I just read an article that Pau Torres is probably coming to Aston Villa. I'm not sure if it's confirmed. but Not true, but it's for a good week it's been done. So it will happen. Yeah. So from yeah. that side of thing, there's another there's another example of, you know, how potentially Aston Villa might, well, uh, tighten up as well. Yeah, Crystal Palace yeah, is very much in mid-table on this one, right? Compared to they were second on the yeah, previous that's right. one. Yeah, so that's right. But what we do when we actually get into it, when we talk about the matchups, is we average these. So we've got Gabe's metric and my fixed difficulty. We average them out. But what we wanted to do for this was actually show the both so you can actually see. I mean, you'll actually see when we get into the individual players how the fixture difficulty and, and, and things diverge a little bit. But, but anyway... Um, so, um, Gabe, just for, this is, your, this yeah. is your baby, so I'm going to let you comment. Right on. Uh, for the podcast listeners, just like the, the the big difference here, I'll go over some numbers in just a second. But I think the big difference from the FDR is there's um, there's there's like a more grouping, whereas FDR the the FDR has maybe like one or two standout. Um, I think NetXG has has it more grouped. And one thing that's different, obviously, NetXG does take uh, the goalkeeper into consideration. Um, so that'll be that'll be one of the differences, in, the reasons for the differences in the data. Another difference in the data could be that for all of the promoted teams, what I did for NetXG is I basically, for all the stats that are used to, to make up these metrics, I took the worst stat of, 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 the, of, of the league and used that for all the promoted teams. So their, their stats are just going to be whatever the worst team did last season, that, that'll be a promoted team stat. Um, I, so I like this like, new more brutal look because last season we applied this was it 538 methodology of like there's a 50 or 60 percent drop off yeah yeah we did like underline. one third of their stats of the of the championship stats or something like that i, I just figured you know they're, they're going to be right around the worst team in the league so statistically a few of them are so, favorites to go down right so yeah so so just give them all like the worst stats and, and see what happens and then things will adjust as as we get more information so the top three really quickly here interestingly manchester united is number one with 5.1 Whereas I think in the FDR Mariner, they were kind of like just quite neutral. Um, I thought that was an interesting yeah, difference. That's right. Right. Um, Villa, uh, second, 5.2. Then you have uh, City at 5.3 and then Arsenal 5.7. So NetXG does like Arsenal's defensive fixtures um, quite a bit more than, than the FDR. So I, I would say that's probably like that top group. Um, you can throw, I guess, Liverpool in there at 6.0. Um, and I was, I was actually surprised to see that in the, the metrics agree Brighton is quite low, um, despite playing Luton wolves and West Ham in their first three, 
you know, that their fourth and fifth are Newcastle um, and and then United away, which which could be difficult. But I, I really thought that they would be they might be a little bit higher there, um, especially factoring into the goalkeeper. But I guess not. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So, but I, I think what we'll do is I think we we'll just keep referring. I wanted to just put this up to sort of like just give us a a, a point in time where we can refer back to it, uh, and people can come and have a look at the fixtures. Um, and of course, what you'll also see on the right hand side is how that um, how the fixtures then turn or change once we get once we get beyond. So, for example, Newcastle. Uh, you'll see your net XG for Newcastle to start with. First five is seven, and then it becomes 5.7, so it improves. So mm-hmm. Newcastle fixtures defensive-wise get easier as we go as we after the first few game weeks. So that's just, again, just explains how it I guess there's been works. a lot of debate as well because it's um, obviously people starting with Botman at 4.5, Shards 5 million, and whether they get them later on. Um, you know, these are all debates that I'm seeing in the community, but... Um, yeah. I'm sure you'll cover rotation later on in the show because I think I'd rather have them and rotate them if there's a good rotation with Newcastle than be wasting a transfer on a 4.5 million forward, if I'm brutally honest. Um, I think there's going to be more exciting, higher upside transfers to be making a few weeks in once we learn everything. Definitely, definitely. But anyway, in the interest of time, and so I can actually get some sleep before I've got to get up and go to work in the morning, um, I suppose we better better keep going. should we have a look at some goalkeepers, chaps? So I think what I've done is we've split them up as usual into, into little buckets, so 4.5 and then just everybody else. Um, now, the interesting thing here, what we've done here is, again, we've used percentiles um, and we're basically ranking all the goalkeepers. Uh, and We're starting off where we're not worried about the well, all the prices are the same anyway. We'll combine them later. But, but basically... Um, Green again on the, with respect to the screen is very good. Uh, red is not. Um, and at the right hand side, you see you'll see a metric there, which is just basically more or less an average of of what you're seeing on the screen. Um, and from the perspective of the four point fives, um, Johnston, albeit with your caveat, Craig, and I and I take on board what you said, and I think it's a good point. Um, actually, looks quite good value with respect to the uh the starting with respect to the starting fixtures at 4.5 fixture difficulty 93 net xg 53 with respect to percentile interestingly um goals conceded did very very well uh 80 but he only started seven games or seven he only started it was only seven percent seven centile i should say not started seven games um nine starts only conceded 1.1 uh uh per 90 uh, 31 minutes per save, averaging four points. Yeah, I mean, if you take the minutes out, then he'll improve, which would make him a, probably a bit of a standout if you're talking on this metric. Uh, Pickford, on the other hand, second. Um, again, fixtures, home Fulham, home Wolves, home Luton, home Bournemouth in the first 10. Four pretty good fixtures, I would guess, for, for Everton. Um, 37 starts, of course. Um, only point, well, 0.09 expected goals prevented. Gabe, you can come in on this sort of on this sort of stuff. I suppose you're going to look at your metric at the end, are we? Um, 26 minutes a save per save, 
Uh, only 3.35 points per 90. Spent a lot of time picking the ball out the back of the net. Um, Everton are poor away and the better at home. I think the situation is for me is, you know, do you think Pickford is going to uh, do all right in his home fixtures? Because I don't think he's going to do in his away. The fixture difficulty quite likes them. NetXG hates them. <laughs> and if you remove his minutes, he drops below Leno. Who's next? Uh, at Fulham. Expected, and he's the one, Gabe, and again, we'll come to you in a second. Expected goals prevented, Leno's top mm -hmm. from my data. Uh, and uh, where are we? So 0.26 expected goals prevented per 90. Yep. So that's good. So he's, you know, he's making saves. Probably he has to. <laughs> 22.5 minutes per save. Four, four saves per 90 average. Um, but he still conceded 1.42 per 90. So, you know, again, what you're going to get. Yes, you might get some save points, but it's a good job. Mm. Because what you might gain in save points, you might lose in everything else. Um, Steel, we've got a caveat. Okay, another keeper coming in. Um, not sure about him. He's ranked fourth. I'm not really going to cover him in too much detail. Bruggen is obviously, was he 20 million euros? I think 20 million euros. You know, is he going to, are they going to bring, spend 20 million euros on somebody and sit him on the bench? Probably not. Uh, so Steele might be in the bin. Um, and then Neto, who quite frankly doesn't really trouble the scorers in a cricket term. Um, Gabe, do you want to initially come in on this? Because I think. What we need to do, and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump forward now to your slide, and then we'll jump back to the to the five to the to the fives and five point fives. I think. Okay. Whoops. Where are we? Sorry. There we go. There's your metric. So, with respect to the the four point fives, mm -hmm. do you want to just go into that in a bit more detail? Yeah, I mean, so one thing I'm looking at more uh, this season is shots outside the box conceded, um, and and I think that's what kind of is that's one of the things that's keeping Steele or, or whoever or, or Verbruggen uh, will keep them quite low in in any of our metrics. Um, you know, you see the the Brentford keeper, I guess, will, will be Mark Flecken. Um, he'll he'll be receiving the, that's six over six shots outside the box conceded per per game. That usually leads to saves. Not always, which is why I have the saves per 90 there as well. But you see it kind of correlates. If you're looking at if you look at Neto with 5.8, nine uh, shots outside the box conceded per, per 90. And then that co corresponds to 3.7 saves per 90. And then Raya, 6.24 shots outside the box conceded corresponds to four saves per 90. Um, but then not so much for Leno. You know, Leno was saving. Leno was just like, he was so, he was just so good last season. He was saving a lot of shots inside the box. Um, but... I put the shots outside the box because I want to use that to kind of like split the hairs here. Um, so can you go back to the, the 4.5s really quickly? Um, yeah, okay. Pick, Pickford and Leno is, are, the, are the ones I wanted to compare, right? Uh, yeah. Johnstone, Pickford, Leno. So if we go to shots outside the box conceded, Johnstone 3.47, Pickford 4.84, uh, and Leno 4.34. So right there, I'd be leaning towards Pickford and Leno over over Johnstone, um, because of because of that stat. Um, and then between Pickford and Leno, 
I, I just think I just think Leno is a better goalkeeper and he's more highly rated in the like football net XG goalkeeper metric. So I would lean that way because of that. And I mean, yeah, NetXG just doesn't like Everton. And I, I kind of agree with NetXG. So of of these here, I would probably go, you know, that then there's the other maxim that we tell ourselves is get good players from good teams. Um, the best team on this list is Brighton by a distance. Um, and the best goalkeeper, I guess, based on our metrics would be Leno. Um, but I would probably side with the best team. Um, but that would, that would be the choice between for me it would be between Leno and, and the Brighton keeper. Just to Leno. complicate it. Um, so David Campbell in the chat says Flecken could be the 4.5 man. Yeah. Um, so obviously he's not on this That's slide, true. but on your goalkeeper rankings, Raya appears quite highly. So how yeah, transferable do you think that is if we go ahead back to your next G goalkeeper rankings? Yeah, so let, let, let's go to that because I, I do agree with that. I think Flecken is is the uh, it's the, he's the standout goalkeeper because um, because there's so many metrics working for him. Shots outside the box conceded for Brentford in general, especially when in that when they're in that three five two, they concede a lot from central areas just outside the box. Um, 6.24 shots, shots outside the box conceded. A very small percentage of those shots go in. Um, so you can see why that would result in over four saves per 90. Um, and then the passes. Um, uh, Raya had about 23 and a half passes per 90, um, which always helps helps on the bonuses as well. That's you know speaks to what Thomas Frank wants to do. Now I don't know if that could change with and uh, maybe Craig, you can speak to this. Um, without Tony there, like kind of drifting into the left half space and dropping a little bit to be that kind of target to begin the attack on that left hand side, I, I don't, I don't know that Shad has a, has a similar skill set on that front. How do you think that's going to affect the goalkeeper passing for uh, for Brentford? I think he's more likely FPL price Vissa up as the striker, but he's about five foot six. So he's not going to be the, the target. Not for, these no, and Pimo is obviously a similar size. I think Sade is at least over six foot. I'm not saying he's the physical specimen that Tony is, but you, you think Brentford will carry on playing this way. They're not a team that like mucking about with it at the back, trying to play out through the lightens. There's a, there's a handful of teams in the Premier League that are quite direct from the goalkeeper. Newcastle will like it. Brentford will like it. Um, mm -hmm. Just get it into midfield, cause some chaos, win some second balls and, and start the game from there, really, rather than in comparison to like Brighton, who do want to sort of go the, the the attack to press them. If that goes wrong, they give the ball away, then the opposing striker is one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and has a high XG chance against them, which is probably why they don't make a lot of saves to goalkeepers, because mm -hmm. the chances they're conceding are, are, are high quality ones, where, as you say, the likes of Brentford, the likes of Newcastle, a lot of the chances are harder. Mm -hmm. um, less likely to go in and that's what we like in FPL Pope was really good at it for Burnley wasn't he that made a lot of saves but a lot of the saves weren't actually that hard because that was just the, the sort of chances that Burnley limited the opposition to um, and, and that's what interests me a little bit with Pickford here that I think Sean Dyche gets a bit of a bad reputation tactically I think he's better than what people give him credit for mm -hmm. and he's obviously building Everton up to be similar I would imagine to that Burnley team he's getting a lot of similar profile of players in and Pope was always the go-to goalkeeper in that era of of Sean Dyche at Burnley. So mm. Pickford's not quite the same skill set as Pope. I don't think he's quite the same level of shot stopper. But I, I, I do think Everton are are a team that could get more clean sheets than 
some of these other 4.5 priced goalkeepers will. Some of the others may get more save points, I accept that. But in terms of clean sheets, I think I'd trust Everton slightly more than the likes of Crystal Palace and Fulham across the early game weeks. And that might lead to more points over six, eight weeks, even if he doesn't get as many save points. So I, I agree with Flecken completely if he gets into the team if Raya leaves. Of the others, I'd probably slightly edge toward Pickford just because of that clean sheet possibility. But in all honesty, I don't think, me personally, I don't think I'll start with any of these. Do you think you'll go higher up price point wise or? Yeah, I think, I think without going too deep into it now, I'm, I'm looking at Ramsdale because I think I do want some Arsenal defensive coverage. There's a lot of defenders that I quite like and there's a lot of defenders that I rate probably higher than Gabriel Saliba and Zinchenko. Mm-hmm. So as a way of getting that coverage into my back line, I think the goalkeeper is the easiest way to do it. Booking the early wild card sort of game week six to eight and then reassess, then maybe one of these 4.5 keepers will really stand out at that point and then you get them on your wild card. But just for the first six weeks of coverage, I think it's quite a safe pick to go with Ramsdale um, and then pick three defenders accordingly around that. Man City obviously came out well earlier. You've got Estupanen, you've got Luke Shaw, people like that. So I think I'm, I'm edging in that direction right now. Um, obviously, there's a couple of weeks for that to change, but I, I don't hate um, I don't hate Pickford and maybe there's, there's someone who rotates well with him. And if, if what Mariner says that they're bad away, Maybe there's another goalkeeper that we can we can put in rotation and pick when Everton have got an away game and play Pickford for all the home games or something. It's so so Robert Ducky in the chat, he said he was looking at a Pickford-Leno uh, rotation and obviously earlier he'd said that he'd looked up the game week 19. So make of that what you will. That sounds like maybe the go-to rotation um, based on everything you've all said plus that kind of input. But um, Really quickly says, on on yeah. rotation and, and a reason... like I. I it makes sense, like when when you're thinking about it, it makes sense. But oftentimes you miss hauls when you're rotating because it's it's those it's those clean sheets that we don't expect where where a goalkeeper can get ten plus points, double digit points. Oh wait, Man you know, City. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. or um, you bench them for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so that's why I'm I'm not so much in, in, into rotating goalkeepers. Um, the one thing I will say for just really quickly, a quick note on, on Flecken and, and probably one of the reasons why they, they look to buy him is he's in the 89th percentile amongst uh, goalkeepers for um, completed passes longer than 40 yards. So to, to your point, Craig, Shad kind of pulling, kind of playing the same role as Tony and being kind of, he's the only big body up front. So he, he, they will continue to to hit him from from a distance, it seems, and most likely with Fleck. And if he, I mean, at four point five, I, I think he's quite obvious. Yep, I think um, obviously now we've got a nice conversation with the Ramsdale point as well, mm-hmm. going into the goalkeepers that cost five and five and a half million, and just adding them to this metric. Um, yep. Obviously, in this case, Raya does appear at the top just on the Flecken conversation. And um, there's some other interesting names, more premium assets who come in. Um, just to add, um, Anana is obviously probably going to be added to Man United. So there's the question of how much he might cost if he's 5 million. You know, he's going to be half a million cheaper than Luke Shaw potentially. So again, that's the kind of thing that might change mine or Craig's mind where you think, okay, do I want Gabriel and Onana? Do I want Shaw and Ramsdale? Like there is still a lot to determine. So anyone who sends you hate mail because they said that you told them you're going to go with said keeper and didn't, it's July 10th, guys. Deadline's on 11th of August. Um, Definitely do check into the news and the formations and the preseason matches before blindly copying. But We'll leave the copying debate for closer to the season and how ethical we think it is. 
Yep. So, yeah, as we mentioned, so looking at, very quickly, looking at the fives and 5.5s, Raya, as we mentioned at the top, we've already spoken about uh, Raya and, and how, you know, if he's going, then Flecken's obviously a, a good option. Um, Kepper, interestingly enough, uh, ranks fairly highly. Uh, Chelsea's fixture difficulties and net XG, Gabe, that's interesting. It, it tends to align, um, which tells me again that maybe Chelsea. Uh, maybe we're overlooking Chelsea defense somewhat. I've not seen many drafts with many with with Chelsea uh, defenders. I think basically, obviously, players like we'll come on to players like uh, Chilwell and and Shaw, but they're not that Shaw sure. um, James. Um, the the trouble is though is their data so small from the back end of last season. It's very difficult to see what's going to happen. And obviously, we've got a new manager as well. But Kepper sits there quite interestingly, you know, um, home Luton, home Forest, away Bournemouth, then the home Villa, away Fulham, away Burnley. Um, six home games in the first 10, including Luton and Forest. Um, 3.17 serves per 90, 28 minutes per save. Um, and as I said, NetXG and uh, fixture filter both align. Um, if you... Uh, look at the minutes, obviously, starts-wise, uh, the 33rd centile for, percentile for Kepa, it moves him upwards if you think he's nailed. Um, again, I don't know. Ramsdale, I'm going to come on to Ramsdale. Ed- Edison, Allison, Martinez, not really going to touch on, but I'm going to come on to Ramsdale. I think it's a good topic, uh, Craig. Um, and when you put it like what you've just said, I can completely understand why you're thinking about Ramsdale from from the perspective of the cover. I think the thing which I'm got to get my head around with respect to this is, I think the caveats of Arsenal about how many you know how they will change because towards the end of the last season, like I say, they were not in a good place defensively. So I think a lot of these numbers which you see here are being screwed by the fact that this is data from. A period where it wasn't quite so good. Um, but you see, goals conceded was okay. But interestingly, if we start talking about uh, the other stats, expected goals prevented weren't was bad, 33 out of 100. Minutes served, minutes per serve, 27. Bonus, 13. Points per 90, 40. Net XG for a goalkeeper, 20. Actually, that, and I'm gay, but I don't know whether you think about this as well, but I'll come to you both. Tells me there's not a great deal of form there. I think I mean, it can be compared to You go first, Gabe. Sorry, mate. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. So I, th- I think there, there's, there's arguments you can compare him as a, as a bit of a, a cheaper Edison. And I owned him for a chunk of last season, and it's yeah. felt like they kept a clean sheet and he got two saves. So he got no save points, or he got three saves <laughs> and he got one in. <laughs> so you, you never quite got the full collection of points. So it, it, I completely get it could be frustrating. Um, and I don't think he's, I think I'd rather have one of the defenders than him, which is a really weird reason to then have him. But again, it's just, if you feel like you want that coverage, yeah, where's the sacrifice amongst the defence to squeeze the Arsenal one in? And at the moment, I can't see one. So it's either I go with no Arsenal defence uh, am I happy to do that? Maybe I am at the moment. I don't. I feel like the fixtures are too good not to have one. Um, 
I'm not against Kepper. I think he's got more scope. He's more rounded, I think, in terms of points. I think he will play. Obviously, issues at the moment is Chelsea have got four centre-backs and you're not quite sure which which two of the four are going to play. Maybe the pairings of those might be good or bad. Is it a good thing if they play two youngsters together for Fana and Badashile or something? Again, Poch, I think when he was at Tottenham, his defensive numbers were quite good. I think Tottenham were top three, top four in that era for sort of clean sheets and things. But the game's moved on a lot in the last five to ten years. So is his tactics going to be as effective now as what they were ten years ago when he managed Tottenham? Because I imagine he'll, most managers, when they move between clubs, I think still tend to play the same way. So I, I fully expect this Chelsea to play similar to what old school Tottenham did. And again, we've seen from Conte at Tottenham last season, for example, that if managers don't adapt their tactics when the game moves forward, then they get left behind a little bit. And I think that's what kind of happened with Tottenham in, towards last season. So if Poch does play the same way, as good as the players are at his disposal, is, is tactically, is that going to work? Um, on the fence with that, I don't want to make an opinion yet, but I feel like Kepper is one of those you may want later in the season after a wild card or something when it does look like Chelsea are doing better. Um, again, I... I I'm on the fence. It's Ramsdale for team coverage, but I completely get that these numbers don't look good. I can, I'm can i completely on board on why these numbers don't look good. It's just what's more important, the, the team coverage from a good team, or are you going to punt a, a Fulham or a Crystal Palace or an Everton and, and hope um, with those sorts of teams? So I actually think he's probably the hardest position to get right in FPL this year. I think a lot of the other positions kind of pick themselves. I don't think there's a standout goalkeeper at all the way it's been priced up, which I think makes it a bit more challenging. I, I think Craig is, is a, around I, minutes as well, isn't there? So with Brighton yeah. and Brentford, there's no guarantees who the starter is, so that rules out two clubs potentially. I, I think I think we know who the starter is going to be at Brighton and and Brent, Brentford. Obviously, is, is is a wait and see. But I, I think what Craig is speaking to is almost like a question of playing style, right? He's you know, looking for coverage because you want Arsenal defensive coverage because you believe that the the fixtures are good. Um, I think that makes sense, but you're then it's a coverage pick. Whereas, you know, if if you're going um, in a different direction, say you want to spend the least possible, or or you're looking for more for uh, to hang your hat on save points or something like that. You know, Arsenal have conceded the the third fewest shots from outside of the box that they did last season. Um, so his, his saves, if, if you're looking for anything beyond, if you're looking for those three saves or anything like that, um, you're not likely to get it from Ramsdale. So in that sense, I kind of agree that he is a, um, a mini Ederson and, and, and so, yeah, I think it's just a question of style, right. Um, and, and how you want to start the season and providing coverage at the beginning of the season is, is, you know, it's, um, commonly accepted as a good idea. I think for Ramsdale to get 30 points, for example, through the first six game weeks, he's probably going to need to keep at least three clean sheets, realistically four clean sheets to get to 30 points. Where yeah. Pickford might only need one clean sheet to get to that. If he does, he may get a few 10-point hauls where he gets a clean sheet, luckily a couple of saves and some bonus points or something. Ramsdale isn't going to get you many double-figure returns, I don't think. Where some of these other keepers, if if, if form goes well, fixtures go well, they could sneak two or three, right? The likes of Pickford, the likes of Leno. Yeah, um, with two clean sheets, they could get you 30 yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, like you say, you could think, well, you know, you'd probably go with Gabriel or someone like that at five million if you were just looking at it, just purely from who you think is going to score more points. You'd probably go with him, but then all of a sudden you've lost one of those important slots in in defence. So, 
I guess you could argue the other way is Cleo saying as well. The, the... Yeah, I'm just seeing that in the chat as well. You need three, you know, you might want three, you know, and using a yeah, valuable you can you can probably move Gabriel well. more easily than a yeah. goalkeeper. Whereas like mm. if, if yeah. Arsenal defence ends up trash for the first four or five weeks and you want to get out, you don't have like the Gabriel to Reese yeah. James or Chilwell option. You've now got the, or if there's like a third Arsenal attacker you want, if they score like six goals in the first game and then the second game's like Luton or something, you might want to suddenly like stack up um, on the attack. So things can change fast. But at the moment, I've gone for one defensive coverage as well, Craig, from the Arsenal team. But I'm probably biased in that sense. Uh, but but I'm there with you. I, I, I think an Arsenal defender is more likely than triple attack for me at the moment. I'm currently not on uh, any Arsenal defence at the moment. Gabe, are you? I currently have Gabriel in my side, I think. Okay. All right. All right. And so very quickly then, guys, going down, uh, if you were to, your goalkeeper at this moment in your draft is Nima? Right now. So I've got Leno right now. And I think for the time being, he's still, even after the kind of debate and discussions today, I think he's he's just someone I'm going to back for the time being. Gabe? Um, I have Flecken because I believe Raya will be sold. I, I don't think they spent 15 million euros um, on a on a backup. So, but but my second choice, if if Raya isn't sold, will uh, will be Leno as well. Okay, uh, Craig, you said you've got uh, Ramsdale at the moment, and I'm just about to transfer out Johnston. <laughs> <laughs> The tinkering has begun. Actually, interestingly enough, I, I mean, the first, the very, very first draft, and often sometimes your first draft's the one that should stick in your head. The first draft that actually I had, I had Pickford in. The yeah, Pickford first. a lot last season as well, though. Yeah. Right? Like, I think yeah. you just got a soft spot for him. But um... well, I don't know about that. But anyway, there we go. That's enough. <laughs> so, okay, so, think... so that's, that's the yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah, let's go to the defenders, I think. That's a good timing now. So one hour and one minute for the podcast. All right, we'll try and whiz. Well, I say whiz, but we need to spend a bit of time on these. So again, what we've done with defenders is we've we've gone through the similar process. This time I've just put a little bit more information on there for you. Obviously, you can see the average minutes um, from game week 17 onwards. Uh, low minutes removed, okay? So again, and people say, oh, we're such and such. Well, you know, if they were out for a long period of time or, you know, they're new into the league or this, that, and the other, they're not going to be there. Um, these are all 4.5 million players. I've done it. But I've, what I've done here is I've changed it to minutes per million, points per 90 per million, percentage involvement per million, clean sheets percent per million, uh, expected or XI, so that's XG and X, XG and XA added together again per million and then just a metric at the end. So what I'm trying to do here, admitting the per million is, is all irrelevant when you're just talking about one price point. But as we start to put all the other price points together, you'll start to see who's the value, who's not. Um, <laughs> what, what's up? Oh, I, we're just like, num number the, the fourth ranked one is straight in. He's ace, isn't he? Tin Man. Bum. Bum from Newcastle. Burn, not burn, uh, you idiot. I, I think on our screen, it looks so small. <laughs> I'm going to take a screenshot of it just to prove to you what it looks like, because it definitely... Yeah. Uh, you can no, say, I can say it's burn. Man. I can see it on my screen. Anyway, boom. <laughs> All right, so we'll have him boom. Right. It could have been worse. You could have had Ben me underneath and, it. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Well, let's, start, <laughs> let's, let's, let's try and get some sense in this madness. <laughs> if we talk about minutes, who was the most nailed? Well, it was Pinnock, 
players like Pinnock, uh, Botman and Konsa. But there was quite a few, actually, 4.5 million assets who were fairly nailed. What's up with you, idiots? Uh, I'm just joking now. <laughs> you, you, you just keep going. We're, we're just trying to put uh, you off in the background. Trying to concentrate on just in people laughing in the background. Um, I keep talking about Ariola's Oreos. I don't know. What? <laughs> yeah, I think they've seen worse than I've us. Lost it. Oh, in the yeah, chat, right? Okay, uh, points per 90. Um, interestingly enough, Mings hmm. jumps out there, or slightly better there. Pinnock again. And then here's a, here's a strange one. I actually put him onto the onto the slide because Gabe and I were having this a little bit of a debate about this. Bloody Wampasaka appeared out of out of nowhere out on the data. Now, okay, he's four point five million. Is he nailed? God knows. Somebody tell me about Manchester United. I don't think it is. It if he is, it's not the worst value kicking around by the look of things. You'd but, think they'd buy a right back that's a bit more. Of you'd a think they would right back, but um, or maybe Dallow might. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe they move to like a three-two-two-three in possession, like City and Arsenal and Brighton, all these well, teams. And maybe they have an inverted fullback. We'll, uh, but, but we'll just we'll just park that idea for a minute, anyway. But he's there. Um, involvement: uh, Aguard, Pinnock, and Tete. Okay, Pinnock again. Clean sheets, Wambasaka, Veltman, and Mings. And then XI uh, is, hang on, who is that? Just need to move down my screen here. It's Pinnock again, I think it is. It is Pinnock again. Then Burn and uh, Agward. Um, but interestingly enough, and this, this is one thing which immediately jumped out to me. I was looking at, hang on a minute, where's Botman? And it's very, very subtle this on this this data here. But Burns not in the conversation, yet Botman is. The minutes are about the same. Burns' minutes are slight uh, points per 90 were slightly better. His expected involvement, he scored one goal and Botman didn't. <laughs> um he actually scored a header, did Burn. Um Burn, sorry, Botman slightly edges in on XG, but only slightly. But I'm not saying, I'm just saying, just making for a I couldn't understand why he was there, Gabe, but that's the reason why he's there. Mm. Um, so there's very little in it between those. Um, before I go into any more detail, guys, and, and it, like, cutting straight to the chase here, is the 4.5 million slot a bit of a, a bit of a wasteland this year? What's your perspective on it? Or do you think there's enough? Do you think there are value there? Because I, I'm going to come, there's a few caveats flying around, I think, with some of these players. What What do you think? Well, I, I don't have one currently to start with. No. Um, I have like a four million fodder, and the next cheapest is a five million. I think I've got two five millions. And a, maybe I've got, no, actually, I've got five million, a 5.5, and then like an eight million. But let's see how that goes. Gabe, what do you think? I'm actually wondering what Craig's th what Craig thinks about Wambisaka and why 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 do you think Wambisaka has kind of popped up so highly? And we we went through the numbers and everything, and he definitely deserves to be there. Um, I mean, it's a shame United have one complete footballer. If you put Wambisaka and Dalo together, then you yeah. get one footballer, right? Um, so, but I, I don't think Wambisaka will be the the starter for Ten Hag. 
Um, what are your thoughts, Craig? No, I, I don't think so either. Uh, I think they're not going to buy another one because they've got to spend too much money buying a striker, a goalkeeper, and Mason Mount, right? right? They're not going to spend right. any money on right. a, a right back as well. I think that's the problem with a lot of this list that Pinnock is he now now they've just bought um Collins from Wolves. So that's mm -hmm. Pinnock, me and Collins. Should be. Should be because they've got uh ones I've got that, but they play on the opposite sides, I think. Well, me me's left footed and Pinnock and Collins aren't. So you me, think me playing playing I was looking at these I was looking at the uh I was looking at the heat maps. So and Pinnock was certainly where he could play either side. But yeah, like you say, if Mee's playing, is Pinnock now in danger? It's a point. Okay. He could play three at the back. So you don't yeah. know. So I think he's risky for that reason. Mings, you mentioned poor power Torres is coming in. They both really should be competing for left side. That's exactly so, right. That's exactly so right. He's probably at risk. Wambasaka is at risk. Burn and Botman got bad fixtures. I, I, I know think they Burn's at risk as well because if Tierney yeah. does go to Newcastle, he yeah. might just replace him at left back. And even with the fixtures, if you want to save 4.5 million player, there's other options. They've got better fixtures than Newcastle. So I wouldn't go near them. Veltman is always injured, it feels like. I've got Rico <laughs> Henry at the moment in my draft for this reason that he probably ranks the highest of the safe players here. Um, he's my favourite 4.5 at the moment. He's, he's in my draft as well. <laughs> Isn't and, and there you go. So you this this is you know really useful because what you're immediately doing is we're saying right okay this he he looks okay but he looks okay but he and this is why I started when I was looking I initially looked at this data and went oh well Mings looks very obvious very obvious to me and then you look oh hang on a minute Pau Torres is going to be competing with him for that slot Matt Cash and, though is also four point five and looks more likely yeah. to play right now. Don't know where he is. Uh, hang on, I'm just. He didn't play him. a lot last. Yeah, uh, maybe a minute. Right. I, I don't. I don't think Mings is competing with Pau Torres for that spot. Is he? You think not? Mings. No, Mings is just out. Torres straight in, right? All right. Well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not competition, right? <laughs> well, I thought. Well, I thought like you know a big six club was in for Pau Torres last summer, so he's obviously been touted for a while as like a big signing into the prem. So I think it shows intent from Aston Villa and. Like obviously you're the Villa fan, Craig, but in my eyes, like that's a big signing of intent yeah. of like what Villa want to do next season, and you know push on and secure back-to-back -back European places. You know, like build for the future, right? That's the way I see it. So, but Mings is the captain, which is where the difficulty therein lies. Yeah, I think hmm. it's just eventually you have to expand the way you play, right? And certain players have got certain skill sets. They may be really useful for you, but if you want to expand, you need to get players with different skill sets. And one of our one of Emery's main things has been to has been ball progression. We end up playing quite a lot of well, Emmy Martin is not great on the ball. Mings and Contra have developed a lot, but they're not naturals at it, I don't think. So if we can get Pau Torres and Diego Carlos there at centre back, that should ease some pressure off our midfield to not play so deep because at the moment they're tasked with progressing the ball. Hence, we've got Tielemans now. He can play further forward and he's better further forward than the likes of Douglas Louise. So it's all those sort of intricate things and knock-on effects of, of these things. So your logic would say Pau Torres plays, whether he plays from game week one. I don't know what his general fitness is. Maybe they'll phase him in, give him Europe maybe to start with, and then he'll be in the league team by game week 10 or something. I, I, I don't know that sort of answer. Right. But sort of mid-term, certainly Torres will be first choice, you'd think. Right. Just a quick one, Marilyn, before you go to the including fixture waiting for these defenders. Um, 
There's a couple of comments in the chat from Travis and Niels about Tarkovsky, who wasn't obviously on the list. Well, he's, he's on this list. Yeah. Yeah, so, he's, so when it comes to actually including the fixture waiting, funnily enough, he appears like magic, guys. Mm. But... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's basically it. It's, you know, once the fixtures start to, you start to see the weight in the fixture coming in. So again, now you've got fixtures with, it's about, uh, I think it's, I think 40% I think I put in, which is usual, Gabe, isn't it? Which is what we yeah. normally use um, for fixtures. But yeah, Wampasaka, and then obviously Villa again, Mings and Consa, Gway, uh, Veltman, Pinnock, Mitchell, Henry, again, Tarkovsky, Botman. Uh, do you know what? It doesn't fill me full of... It, it just does not fill me full of joy, this. I, I think the more I start looking at this, I could end up going with a couple of... If I can find some 4 million fodder, Throw some four million fodder in and just whack a bit more into the, you know, have have three good, you know, five million plus def- uh, five million plus defenders and just go with a bit of fodder. So I think on that note we should go on to the next price bracket. Yeah. But yeah, the takeaway but was it looks like two that, of us have wanna, Henry. By the way, before so two we do that, I want to just cover some rotation um, because I think it's important we do mm-hmm. right. So I did two or three rotations. Uh, unfortunately, the screens at the I was trying to format this really quickly, but it's not quite come out properly. So apologies. Um, but basically, the three rotations I did was Newcastle and Brentford. So you're talking about players like Pinnock and Henry against players like Botman. So you've got probably Pinnock and so probably got Henry and Botman if you were you're probably playing with the herd. Um, and you can see there the top part of it is with respect to the numbers you see. You can see the fixture difficulty in the bottom half. You can see the net XG against, and I've highlighted in green the team which would be the one which you would go with. So, um, if this was the rotation, you could go with Villa, Fulham, Palace, Bournemouth, Brentford. Uh, uh, you'd be playing obviously the Newcastle asset, Sheffield United, Burnley, West Ham, uh, and then you get a split there. With this, um, one would go for Burnley, then the net XG or the fixture for the world Burnley, and the net XG would go for Palace and then Wolves. So that doesn't sound too bad. Um, if you add the fixture difficulties together, it comes to 19. Uh, if you uh, look at the net XG, it's 10. Um, let me come to the next one. I'll just put all three up very quickly. Newcastle, Aston Villa, Newcastle. Obviously, if it was Mings, but it could be Cash, like you say, if you think he's nailed at 4.5. Uh, Aston Villa, Everton. So, so yeah, so Aston Villa, uh, Everton, Burnley. This is a problem with this one, this rotation for Aston Villa and Newcastle. Look at game week four. Liverpool and Brighton, both horrible. Both horrible. Mm. Um, then you've got a split, Brentford or Palace. Then you've got another split, Sheffield United or Chelsea. Uh, Burnley, West Ham, Crystal Palace and West Ham are split, and then Luton. And then finally, the third one, let me just keep going. Oh, sorry, I never moved. And then the third one is Aston Villa Palace. Um, and hang on a second, I need to put this on my screen because I can't see the bloody thing. It's too black, too small. Um, Sheffield United, Everton or Arsenal, probably it's obviously Everton, Burnley, Wolves, Palace, Fulham or Chelsea, Brighton, Forest, West Ham, Luton. Any love for rotation, guys? 
Craig, you've come up with one which we could talk about. I, I don't think there's a anyone is realistically looking at two players in this price bracket. I think no. my argument is if you're going for three expensive ones, whether it's Trent, whether it's not Trent, if you think you've got three safe ones, I think you can go with three of them and two four millions. If you've yeah. got concerns about one, whether you say let's say you get a Man City defender, there's obviously concerns that they may miss two of the first eight or something in just in the general yeah. rotation. You may want someone in this price bracket just as that little bit of a safety net rather than relying on the four millions. And that's kind of where I am in my team. I think I want one of these because they're just a bit more trustworthy as the first sub okay. in case one of the other three don't play. But I don't think you want two of these. I think you can get away with a four million defender early on, maybe with one of these. Um, so, yeah, no love for me just because of it's, it's the price point more, more than the, the fixtures. Okay. That's fair enough. But I think it's worthwhile just putting these out there for people. You know, some people might quite like the idea of rotation. And there are plenty. I think uh, I think there's about six or seven teams where you can find some rota- six or seven yeah. uh, combinations, I think, flying around, which I've seen. Um, I just picked the, what I thought were the three best on the basis of the fixture difficulty and the net XG and the combinations of the two. So that, for me, is if you were looking at it, that's what you would want. Well, the one um, I yeah, suggested was Everton and Luton. Don't laugh, everyone that's watching, because it does sound a bit <laughs> dark on paper, Everton and Luton. But in terms of the Come first on. eight game weeks, you actually get quite good fixtures. I think you get six, seven home games against teams that will probably be expected to finish in the bottom eight. So it does mean you might have to play your Luton defender maybe more often than you'd want to. Um, but there might be a 4.5 million, 4 million rotation amongst those two if you did that. Tarkovsky and Bell or something is, is a possibility. So... You're that, also my playing point. a defender from two teams that are expected to be in the bottom eight. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a home game. It's a home game. <laughs> I, look, I, I'll, I'll say this about Bell before we end it. Um, oh, God, I've said it again. Um, yeah, apart from the fact he scored yesterday. Did he? No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'll say this about Luton. I've been to uh, Kenilworth Road a few times. In fact, Grimsby were playing him not so many years ago. And I'll tell you what, it's it's going to be a it's not going to be a pleasant place to go. It's not going to be pleasant. Um, they'll they'll get some points at home. I'm convinced. Well, we have a Robert Ducky saying Luton will get smashed at home, so we can only come, we can only come back to this and see. I don't think they will. What, I don't think what they happens. Will. tells me they're not going to, they're going to get smashed away a lot. But at home, I'm not so sure. At home, they're a bit. I'll go on record I'm not going to do it. <laughs> You're not going to actually do it. I'm not going to actually do it, but as a rotation, in terms of the best balance, in terms of what fixtures you get for the rotation, it's one to have a second look at. You, you might have right? yeah. And for the price, I think it's, it still allows you that four million player potentially in your team. Um, I think rotations might be interesting when we get a few weeks in and see how these kind of cheaper assets do in defense. And perhaps when you wildcard around game week six to eight, as you were saying, Craig, that could be a time you go for it. Maybe by then there's like a whole new fixture rotation, right? So I think I'm with you. I'll probably wait to do the rotation till around wildcard time. <laughs> right. Shall we keep going? Just try and get rattle through this. Um, so let's put it back on the screen, Neiman. Hang on a second. I'll do it. Um, five and 5.5 then. So, okay. So now we're starting adding in some, getting some more interested. Who was most nailed out of this gang? Well, it was uh, me, a stupidian, Shah. Um, points per 90 Marino uh, Dalot Ake Ake is an interesting one we'll come back to mm-hmm. him percentage involvement per minute uh, per million Perisic 
Porro and Shah. Uh, clean sheet, Moreno, Delot and Shaw. Expected involvement, Perisic, Porro, Shah, Estupinian. And uh, yes, and then we start with the caveats. So, like, first things first, Alex Moreno, injured. I think. Yep. Yeah, he is. Apparently, he's going to be out for game week one at least, maybe a right. bit longer. So that's him. That's him confined to the bin for a step for a, for the start, which is a shame because actually, I, I he's to me is well worth watching. I like watching him, and I could mm-hmm. actually consider myself as actually owning him at some stage this season. Quick, so I definitely will. I definitely will. Yeah. Quick he's question got, for Craig: Does that yeah. do you think is is Luca Dean an option for the first maybe couple fixtures? He'll play that position. I don't, the problem is I don't think we quite know how long he's out for Moreno. So you don't want to get Dean here for like one week and then Moreno's back. Um, right. You get some clarification about the length of the injury. But that that role in our team, he's got the full um, license to get up that left-hand side. He, in terms of like average positions on heat maps of fullbacks, Estupin and the Moreno will probably be the two highest in the league, I would think. He'll be right up there and maybe Reese James if if Chelsea play that way under Poch. But I, I think I think uh, Alex Moreno, once he gets in and, and he gets his form and fitness and everything, I think he'll be approaching Estupinian levels of kind of attacking involvement because I think Pau Torres completely changes the way you guys progress and will allow him to get further up the field. Yeah, he's a big asset. If, if he wasn't injured, there's a good chance I'd start with him. Certainly yeah. around my wild card, I think Villa's fixtures get better around that time as well. So I think he'll be a definite near the top of the shortlist at that point. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. I mean, then we start getting to the obvious picks. I mean, some players who... I, I mean, Shaw was first in... He was the very first player I put in. I, I looked at player. what I could do with the 0.5 if I changed it to someone else, but there wasn't really anything to write home about. So just kind of... No. So I can Shaw's imagine in, he'll Shaw's be in there, one yeah. of my drafts right now. It's opinion, and I mean, quite frankly, is what, 50-odd percent owned already? I think the second most owned player in the game. <laughs> Next mm-hmm. one down there. The Delot's interesting, but obviously it's five mils. He's at half a well, he's a half a mil cheaper than Shaw. Um I I mean, again, that's just a debate. Then you've got players like me. Shah is obviously interesting. He he always seems to pop up with things, but he's just that bit more expensive than Botman. And quite frankly, we need the money to start with. Um then we get to Nathan Ake. And Nathan Ake at five million for me, Gabe, looks a steal. I if, agree. If he's nailed. Well, who else is going to play left back for them? I don't think there is anyone. As far as I can see, there isn't. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, but Ake looks to me like he's nailed. And if he is, then he's in my team. Yeah, you, I completely agree. Go for that? Yeah, there's five million for a city defender. I guess we've got I think, to see I think, Community Shield as well, right? Like, see who plays in that role. Yeah, and I, and I think this, like, the fact that Ake is available for $5 million, likely the starter at left-back for City, then then you have to wonder, like, well, then, how how can you justify having Gab- someone like Gabriel, like I was talking about earlier, over Ake? Right, I think Ake would, would be a better pick than Gabriel on your side. And then we get to Craig's point, like, well, if, you, if you're, if you're going to have Shaw... And you're gonna have a Stupinian, and you're gonna have Ake. Then how are you gonna cover Arsenal? Then you're back to Ramsdale. So like the, the dominoes kind of kind of falling here, and then that's that's the way to get your um, your Arsenal coverage. But I think um, I, at five million, I think Ake is grossly underpriced. I think the Stupinian is grossly underpriced as well. Um, and if 
Yeah. What about so what that, that 5.5? That, I think that's going to be a hard avoid for most, especially with the arrival of Timber. I can't see myself paying the extra half there. Hmm. Tell you what, though, Neymar, it's interesting that he still is even on the spreadsheet because this is a this is a value spreadsheet. So if White's there, that's well, not even that's at that price. That yeah. he's not that bad at that price. Hmm. Oddly enough, that's a very good point. Yeah, that, that, and Gabriel is not right there. No, he's not, and that's <laughs> the point. Actually, I mean, Gabe and I, I know Gabe. Well, Gabe and I did con consult notes on this, and. You know, Gabe, I think, Gabe, you made this point. You said, well, hang on a minute, Chris. He he actually, I think I used the word shithouse some assists, but you said, actually, Chris, he was actually a bit more, he, he was actually a bit more consistent than shithouse in it. It was by design. I, I think yeah. I think White, White's attacking returns were 100% by design last season. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't shithousing at all, um, you know, Saka, the more Saka holds the ball up and cuts inside, right, that opens the, that opens that lane up. Or if they can't penetrate, then, you know, by bringing the defenders in, right, that'll be a way to penetrate around around the outside. So so I think that white attacking um, threat is will persist. Yeah. Um, here's, here's somebody who's uh, jumping out the stats, particularly from the perspective of attacking. Porro, Pedro Porro from Spurs. Very attacking. XI, 74th percentile, percentage involvement, 84th, points per million, 85. Fixture difficulty, we'll come on to that in a minute. <laughs> but attacker, we're attacking, right? Interesting asset. Hmm. What do you think? He was bought as a wing-back, right? For a manager yeah. that played wing-backs, now we've got a manager that's probably going to play with a back four. Is We've got a lot of possible options for right back. Emerson Royal, Jed Spence is still there. He's another one that's do you want to take that risk on a five million defender spot at the start for someone that doesn't play? I think that's what he if we see him pre-season, he's gonna looks like his first choice, he becomes an option, I think. But yeah. Okay. Not what about Stone? Just talking about the Man City defense for a few seconds before we go to the fixture being included in the waiting. So we have Claire. Um I think I was talking to her recently about whether people called her Reuters at work because she gets all the bulletins before they're even out from people like Fabrizio Romano. But um, <laughs> so shout out to Claire, one of our haulers on YouTube. So she says Stone started 21 games, seven clean sheets. Aki started 22 games, nine clean sheets. Uh, Akanji started 24 more minutes, two, two, eight, four minutes. Then both Stones and Aki, but seven clean sheets. And then just a comment from Balkan Mag as well that City are looking to bring in Guardiol from uh, Leipzig. So when we were talking about, obviously, the likes of uh, Aki and being nailed, um, you know, we've seen Pep go to a formation where he plays four centre-backs. You know, he's played without full-backs. He's played with full-backs. He's played inverted either side. Like, I think it, it is a lot to be using the word nailed on Aki on July 10th before the preseason. No, no, absolutely fine. But, I mean, if you look at it, bear in mind, we can only, we can only use what we've got right now. Of course, but I just mean with the new signing of Guardiola as well, who knows what will happen. Um, Robert Aki yeah. says no stone. So just a final thought, obviously, on the metric, he asks, is it that it doesn't take into account his new role? So similar to kind of what people have been saying about... Well, I mean, Trent basically, yeah, probably, because, I mean, his, his role changed towards the end of the season, didn't it? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, of course, you know, stats are stats. But he appears once you get the metrics. Once you start putting the metrics in, that stones appears. 
Cool. Okay. Um, well, he's here now, right? Straight away, as you say it. <laughs> unsurprisingly, yeah, he's, he's there anyway. And it's the Manchester show. Shaw, Ake, Delot, Stones. Then you've got Estubinan, White, Zinchenko, Gabriel, me, Dunk. And then Chilwell just sneaks onto the bottom. And there's a little debate possibly to have here. But, I mean, look, I'm going to say this. I, I think I expect that I will own two of those I will own three of the top five there by the start of the season. I have three of the top five now, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, Robert Ducky is asking about Stones and, and his new role, and I don't know if now would be a good time to cover what the impact of that new role moving into midfield um, is on, yeah. on players like Stones. Like, yeah. Or, or do we get that when we do the Trent discussion? You can do. We can talk about We're talking about Trent in a second, actually, because I think, I mean, the thing is, is that he is his price, when you're talking about value, you can't even contemplate Trent as value because he just, yeah. it just completely breaks the value calculation. So it's just a waste of time. So you sure. may as well talk about him completely separately. So anyway, so that's the fives and 5.5. So if we go to the Trent slide. Oh, but hold on. But before we go to the Trent, can we oh, talk okay. about that role? Um, oh, I, I don't, sorry, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know, yeah. Craig. What? How? How do you see that role impacting? Like, does it impact a player like Trent in the same way as it would impact Stones? No, because I think there's different varieties of the role. I think Stones plays further forward than what Trent will play. I think Stones mm-hmm. actually generally does push up as a bit of an eight. Yeah. So where where Trent's role is more of a six. I don't think in terms of sort of horizontal lines across the pitch. Trent is amazingly further forward than where he used to play when he was at right back. He's just more central now and a bit more involved in in general play. But mm-hmm. he's, he's not really playing miles higher up the pitch, I don't think. Where Stones, I think it's clear he is he has got licence, certainly with Rodri there as well, just to to play that little bit higher still. I, I would consider Stones if I thought he was going to play enough games. I think Ake, at that price, you can justify and tolerate if he plays like five of the first eight. Stones, I think you'd be very annoyed if you played five of the first eight when you paid 5.5 for him. Um, mm. And that's where I, I think his positioning is very good. I think he'll play quite high. You've, you've obviously got the unknowns with the rest of their midfield. I mean, it's a bit of chaos, isn't it, with Kovacic going there? We're, we're not quite sure what's going on with, with Bernardo, um, what's going on with Mares. Um, Gundogan's clearly left. Um, so the Man City set up to me at, at least at the moment is a bit up in the air. We don't know where Foden fits into this. So is Stones going to adapt it in amongst all that a bit differently? Um, he's another one of like a few I've mentioned today that I think I wouldn't be surprised if I owned him at some point this season. But it just feels like at the start it's maybe a risk that you don't need to take. Mm. Um, is my where okay just for the point five less and less competition as of right now for a start. I think is. Is better and, and Stones is always so unique at what he does that if they lose him, Man City, that's a big loss to the way they play. If they lose Ake, they've got a Kenji that can play left back. They maybe they will sign Gavardi or maybe and go in there. Stones, they haven't really got a, a backup for what he does, yeah. so all they manage his minutes a little bit more to protect him. It, it's say it's an opinion, not not a fact, but there is that risk with him. I think it's yeah. Um, so Guardiol does have some left back experience. Um, not maybe not as much as Ake, so I don't think he's a threat to Ake right away, but he's certainly cover and could play there if they lose stones and they need to change the way uh, they're set up. I, I could see Guardiola moving out there. Yeah, okay. 
That's really interesting. Um, I think one thing to add as well is obviously the first few game weeks will be before Europe midweek matches start. So that's also like another way of looking at it is will managers want to play that team that's more likely to play in the Champions League regularly together early on to get that gelling together, especially if there's been a lot of shakeup in the squad and the roster. And then will the rests come later on when those players become like the preferred first choice in UCL nights and perhaps they're rested in the uh, Premier League. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. But at least we have those first few weeks without that additional level of rotation to worry about just yet. All right. So, right. Should we go and should we cover this Trent conundrum for 10 minutes and then finish off with the defenders and then get out, finish off with the overall defenders and then get out of here. So, right. I think the just trend... before you do that, Chris, um, we're one yes. hour, 31 minutes in, guys. Is the first time we're asking you to hit that like button if we've made you smile or laugh today, if you found it entertaining or learn a new nugget of information. But um, And especially if you've enjoyed Craig's appearance, very special appearance, I must say. Yeah, we've absolutely. actually cracked 50 concurrent live viewers consistently <laughs> throughout the show, so that's great news as well. But yeah, we'd really appreciate it. If you're new to the channel, you want to stay tuned, subscribe, and you can catch us on any way you listen to your podcast. If Even if you just like Mariner's brown curtains. Give us a like. Look, it's yeah, not my fault. I'm in the service department at the moment. I'll be in my house soon. You're lucky I'm here. That's why I have to get these these jabs in now before you move You're lucky to I'm here. <laughs> I know. Before you see his Dubai Palace unveiled in a month or something. Exactly. Have a camel walking yeah, past. Hopefully. The, the water the garden in the background. Provided they got the internet switched on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Brown curtains again, Gabe. Exactly the same as what it was a couple of years ago. Don't, God. Anyway, <laughs> Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold, the conundrum. Right, here, here it is. This is the conundrum. I cannot, I am really struggling to get my head around spending $8 million on Trent Alexander-Arnold, given the fact that I think Liverpool have more holes in than the average teabag with respect to defence, or they certainly have. I think they've improved a bit. But I can't trust them in defence. So I'm literally thinking, right, do I just treat him as a midfielder and just be bloody done with it? So I thought, right, how else can I do this apart from treat him as a midfielder? So I've, I've actually put him up against Martinelli. I thought, same price. Let's see how these two actually stack up. And you can see, thanks to Fancy Football Hub, um, which I borrowed the uh, their uh, one of their... Uh, uh, graphs and it's quite interesting actually they're almost it's, it's almost symmetrical <laughs> in, in many senses although one's a creator and the other one's the other one's uh you know more of a finisher in martinelli so trent's the creator and martinelli's the, the finisher well the numbers are, are certainly with respect to the visual side of things look quite similar um i've also adjusted trent's fixturevity to an attack as well. So I've changed everything. So everything in here is now he has been treated as an attacker. You've noticed I've got the value A, which is value attacker. You'll see that appear for next week for the for the midfielders because we've already I've already done all that already. Um, so let's just quickly talk through it. So I've put Martinelli and I've also put Yotter on there just to give us some just to give us a bit of a Liverpool benchmark, Gabe. I think that's quite important perspective mm -hmm. as well. And then we've got Trent. So minutes per million, all right, Trent actually comes out top. Points per million per minute, or points, points per 90 per million, I should say. 
Yotta comes out top, followed by Martinelli, and then Trent lags a long way behind. A long, long way behind. Um, involvement per million, Martinelli way ahead, then Trent, and then Yotta just slightly behind him. Expected him uh, XI, XG plus XA. Martinelli and Yotta miles ahead of Trent again. And if you put it into a metric, um, without the fixture, Martinelli, then Yotta, then Trent. And if you include the fixture, it doesn't change. Martinelli, then Yotta, then Trent. I guess it's key to say for the uh, podcast listeners that Martinelli's on 81 once you include the fixture, yes. but Yotta's 69 and Trent's 67. So yes. they are very close at the same price point as midfielders there in that regard. But the point, I mean, this is what, look, I'm just going to open this up to where other people are with this. I mean, first things first, let's just ask the question. Is Trent in your draft at this moment? He is in mine. I don't mind admitting it. Nima? Yes. No, sadly. Yeah. I have two out of three of these players, and the, it's not Trent. <laughs> right, okay. Craig? No. No. Right, We're okay. So you've got two yeses and two no's. All right, this All is right. perfect. Right. <laughs> they better Craig. not be in your game week one team, guys. I'm going to... Craig, no, no, this no, clip. No, no, no. Look, things can change. Craig, <laughs> they can't give, change. Me, give, me, give me your arguments against Trent Alexander-Arnold at this moment. Um... You saw my philosophy at the start around the pricing of players. Yeah. My fear with Trent is that the fixtures aren't great to start with takeaway game week two against Bournemouth. To me, he feels like a, a walking cash cow to managers. If he has a slow start in the first three or four weeks, I think a lot of people will lose patience quite quickly with him, see the opportunities of like a Reese James in game week three or something, and then think I can save 2.5 million. I'll sell Trent to get down to Reese James. For those that don't start with Trent, I, I don't see how people get to him. So I, I don't really see much opportunity of a price rise for him because no one's going to keep 2.5 million in the bank to upgrade someone to Trent in game week two. So if he gets 10 points in game week one, everyone's going to be concerned going into game week two, thinking he could hurt Hall against Bournemouth here. But without taking hits, and maybe it might take a minus eight or something, they can't get to him. So purely for protecting value at the start, I feel like he's more likely to go down than what he is to go up. And how much damage can he really do to me? Because if I have him, the likeliness is I have to have someone weak with him as a pair, where I could have two fairly good players as a pair and all those two together match Trent with the weak player. Um, it's more a value play with me because I think he's at risk of dropping point one, point two in the early couple of game weeks when people lose patience if he doesn't get two or three big calls. But over a season, do I think he's worth eight million? I think he probably is. And again, he may be another one of those on wild card when we see a bit more about how Liverpool play now with their new look midfield. Because I, th I think they've got a lot of direct players in their team. They'll, the balls will get turned over a lot and then they'll get counter-attacked on. Not sure they're the best defensively. They let four in against Southampton, didn't they, on the final day? So they don't hold out much hope for a clean sheet either. So a, you're pinning a lot of hopes on attacking returns for someone that positionally isn't playing that much further forward. He's got more license to be involved, but he's he's not really playing. It's not like he's around the edge of the penalty box playing Kevin De Bruyne across his all game. He's not he's not in that role. So I, 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 I'm not saying he's not worth it, but I think pairing him with another player and spending 13 million on two defenders is is a lot, and you, you can do better. I think with two five and a half or something, and. 
so it's that fear of a price drop I think that's bothering me the most with him which is why mm. I haven't got him right now yeah um great points Gabe coming to you mm. Yotta against Trent if you look at the numbers for Yotta and Trent Yotta's percentage involvement per million 63 Trent's 67. So if we're talking about involvement here, that doesn't include any possibility of a clean sheet. So I'm going to turn this on its head now, mm. and I'm going to say, surely Trent is a better route to points than Yotta with respect to involvement, given we have not considering clean sheets at all. And, you know, a stop clock's right twice a day. They will get a clean sheet every now and again. Mm-hmm. They'll get it. Uh, game week five, away to Wolves. Before that, they're not getting my clean sheet. You know me, I'm playing devil's advocate here. You know I am. But look, it's Chelsea away, point. no clean sheet. Bournemouth it's home, no point. clean sheet. It's a fair point. It the is. closer than they look here, the closer than they look. So if you had a choice between Yotta or Trent, surely you're going to go Trent. No. No, definitely <laughs> not. Uh, and here's here's why. Um, and and I'll I'll piggyback off what what Craig was saying. Trent is going to be further further back, right? But then you also have the addition to the the new signings. You have McAllister, Soboslai that will be in front of him. You have people waiting, right? Like um, our famous Darwin Nunez. He'll be that's for the other side though. But there's like uh, Jota and Kakpo are also attacking players that play centrally. And all of those attacking players that play centrally will keep Trent further back. And I think Trent is looking at a lot of assists to the assists. Um, he'll send his crosses in. He'll do his things. He'll get his points. But I don't see a clean sheet until, until game week five. And I think the addition of these attacking players removes the kind of like creativity focus from him a little bit. So I think his numbers will drop. And then on the flip side, I think Jota is so... And I, I wrote about this last season as well. I think what he brings to this Liverpool team in terms of the press and in terms of heading and finishing, um, it's so critical to what Liverpool need. They were so passive um, last season that, that I think Jota will be kind of kind of like, like a, a central, like a focal point for, for Liverpool's attack. So um, so for me, it's, uh, it, it just doesn't make the cut at $8 million. I think just in terms of, um, from my perspective as well, I think similar to what you're saying, Gabe, I, I would imagine Trent's going to be more of like involved in the initial build-up phase if there's going to be mm-hmm. more of an attacking midfield, less aged midfield ahead of him playing beside him. And hopefully the attackers are going to click and be more settled in the front three as well, as you say. So I'm not sure if in the new role he'll necessarily... Like he'll still be involved in the attack, but it's the assisting the assister that you were saying. Whereas yeah. I think from his other, you know, kind of fullback role, you could argue he was playing as a winger to an extent at times. Mm. So I'm not sure he's going to be as progressed up the pitch, involved in later phases of the build up in the final third as he was uh, previously right. in the new role. Yeah. So that's worth I, keeping an eye on. To me, it's no slam. This is no slam dunk. And it's very interesting that we're split 50 50 here right now. And I'm probably mm-hmm. on the fence. So I reckon it's 60 40 against Trent right now mm-hmm. from, from this. And I wouldn't be at all surprised on the back of this inve- uh, on the back of this review that I've done on this data that I actually don't take him out. Because, you know, I think Craig, some great points about the you know, about the ownership and things like that. I'm I'm not sure I'm so bought on Yotta. I know he's your love child, Gabe, but you know, <laughs> I, I mean, 
you know, I'm not quite support on Jota, on Jota, but yeah, I can see, I can, I can see where people are coming from. It's a very interesting point. Just in the chat, let us know who's on Trent and who's not. Just put mm-hmm. yes or no in the chat just for a minute whilst we just look at this last slide on defenders overall. And then we'll... Um, oh, actually, there's another slide before that. There's new assets. <laughs> anyway, very quickly. Shall we quickly touch this? Gabe, I tried to put this together. You you, you did very well. You just wrote a load of lists on the... On the, on the, t- on the I, on a, I wrote on a list and it was so I, underwhelming. I, I, I was like, I opened this is it 20 minutes. Before, I opened it half an hour before we we're going to go live and I realised you hadn't done the slide. But anyway, <laughs> there we go. So, right. Yeah, bastard. Right, anyway. <laughs> we love this. No, no wonder you were so surly when I came backstage. I was well pissed off. Anyway, Aston, <laughs> Aston Villa. Um, Pau Torres, we've mentioned. Um, obviously, the the uh, the no contest between Tyrone Mings and, and Pau Torres in time. Um, Flecken, goalkeeper for Brentford. Nathan Collins. Um, how much was he? He was bloody uh, 23 million club record. He's gonna play for sure. Uh, Jisoon Kim, 18 year old from Seongnam K League Division Two. Yeah. No price, Gabe. Why did you put him in? Is he gonna play? I don't he's, think he's, so. He's a bit of a superstar, isn't he? Bayern Munich wanted him. Wrong, Kim. I mean, he's 18, you know. Good depth, good ex- good experience. I don't, I don't think he's very relevant. Yeah. Well, anyway, you told him. You, you, you put him down the list, so I did. Mind you, now there's James Milner. But Bart Verbruggen, goalkeeper, 4.5 million for Brighton's an interesting one. Can you see yourself starting with a Brighton goalkeeper? I don't like the fixtures to start with. I don't think I do anyway. Mm. Yeah, we want to double up with his stupid. I think two Brighton's a bit overkill, isn't it? Two defenders. I don't think two Brighton defenders when they're playing they're home against Luton. All right, I don't mind that, but then they're away at Wolves. They don't score much, so you, you could nearly think about it. It's not the it's not the it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. Can can I just really just to go back really quickly on Nathan Collins? I think that that was such a smart signing. He's like the what Ben Me is to the left side where he can occasionally play on, the, on that left back. Nathan Collins can do that on the right side. So they're, they're kind of like mirror players of each other where they are center back. So there's no question about that, but have some versatility to play wide. So I'll, I'd be interested to see like uh, Thomas Frank, he could line up with a back four or four center backs. And then the two wide ones could have some experience playing wide. Um, so that'll be something to watch in preseason. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, Verbruggen, goalkeeper, as mentioned, that he's not going to sit on the bench at 20 million euros. James Milner, no. forget him. Who was this Vicario, Gabe? I, I've never even heard of him. Mind you saying that I am in the middle of the desert in 46 degrees heat at the moment. So if I'm going to overheat, it's probably now. So do you want to explain? <laughs> I am not decide that he I'm also in the middle of a desert in about 40 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> True. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to be honest. I, I don't. I don't know too much about him. Guglielmo Vicario. Um, did he come from Udinese or someone like that? I, I don't even remember. So I, I. I just don't know too much about him. No, I didn't even get notes done on him. I forgot. But I, I, I think he basically cost half the price of Raya. So they just went. Everyone wants Raya, but no one's like you know. But I think the general point is. <laughs> yeah. The general point is, and this is 
you know, we were hoping there might be something what's new about FPL, but no, no, we can't we yeah. can't change the way we play the game, can we? We can't change anything about the game. So what not since the is, chips got introduced eight yeah, years ago. Yeah, oh, crikey. I mean, you know, pull the other one, guys. But I mean, so anyway, we have to talk about potentially new assets. So there, there we go. Um, but there's not just new assets, there's new managers. So I think the key is here thinking just in very general before I go to the summary of the defenders, just think very, very carefully about these numbers and say, as Craig pointed out right at the start, look at all the caveats behind the numbers because that's very, very important when you're in pre-season. I'm sure you all agree with this. With so I, I, I just took a quick look at a quick look at Vicario's stats and they're pretty underwhelming stats. His expected Actually. goals prevented is is pretty mediocre. The one stat that stands out is he's in the 99th percentile for draws. Draws? Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. That'll, so. that'll, that'll, that'll cheer up Spurs fans. Akib <laughs> says he's the Italian Raya. Is he? Chelsea's dying for a draw. Right. Anyway, there we go. And Cleo's in the middle of the desert too. Whereabouts are you, Cleo? Let us know. Maybe not too far from me. I'm not sure. Not many people are in the desert. Anyway, defenders overall. Um, let's have a look. Sure. Sits top. Now, Wambasaka, of course, we lose him because he's probably not going to start. Ake is still there. So, Shaw, Shaw and Ake. I'm absolutely sure about Luke Shaw. Um, but Ake is there. Uh, Dalot, then Stones. And then you've got Mings sat there. So there's your 4.5. There's your potentially your best 4.5, but we've got the caveat on that now. A Stupinian at five. Concert at 4.5, not sure. You'd maybe tell us about that, Craig. But I think we're going a long way down before we find a, probably a suitable 4.5. I don't see it personally. I think it's Manchester United, and I think it's those Manchester United, Brighton, uh, Manchester United assets. Manchester City assets and a opinion. And I think that's it. <laughs> I don't think it's, there's anything else to say. I, I mean, it's hinting at a, at a pretty strong defensive template to start the season. I think it is. United I, I, I City, Brighton. I don't know if you've noticed at the bottom, though, what I've done. And for the podcasters, I, I've actually put Trent. He, doesn't, he hardly troubles the scorers, again, cricket term. Um, Shaw's top with 77. Juan Bissaka, ignore him, 75. Ake, 75. Delot, 70. Stones, 68. Mings, 68. Trent with Liverpool attack numbers, 67. That's where he appears. Trent with Liverpool average numbers, 61. So I'm trying to find a way to push Trent up. I just can't. But can't. saying that value-wise, it's impossible. It's a complete waste of time. Um, as I say... If you were looking at it from a perspective of minutes, you're, you're, you've got Pinnock, Gway, etc. Points, Mings, but we've got that caveat. Involvement, Trent is there. Uh, Pinnock and Trent, and then a big gap to a Estupinian. Clean sheets, uh, well, we'll worry about that. Involvement, Trent, Estupinian. Again, value, sure, as I said. So Trent is there, is there definitely with respect to defenders, is clearly up there at involvement. He's going to get the involvement when you're comparing against defender, but you're also comparing against two and a half million more. Minimum. Expensive. 
I think. Okay, that's the defenders done. We're finished. So I think um, I've just put in the chat for any questions for Craig, any tactical-based questions. Um, while we wait, we just plug the mini-league real quick. Code is HUP69D for the podcast listeners. We'll put the link in the uh, video and podcast description as well. And for all the new members today as well, uh, we've got Blue-Footed Bobby. Thanks for signing up on YouTube, becoming a hauler. You now have the new fishing bait emoji, the hook that we've caught you with. And once you pass your first month, you will become a full-fledged fish and work your way up the fish emoji full library. full-fledged fish? Yes. Until, until you become a, the apex predator. The shark. And we have a few shark callers. Eventually, you turn into a shark. Yeah, eventually, apparently. I think so. The, so the point there is anyone who's become a new member, I think there's six, seven people since last week's episode uh, in the preseason, you can join the Discord. Uh, the way to do this is um, you need to go to Discord on a web browser, ideally on desktop or laptop. Go to user settings, click on connections, and there should be a YouTube connection available. So you need to sign in with the same Google account that you're a member with uh, on YouTube. Same thing for Patreon as well. But um, essentially, we're going to look into running a prize mini league just for the haulers. So there's about 35 of you now. And we're going to put some monthly prizes and I think we're going to maybe try and get them to contribute in some way to the show as well. Whoever's the top scorer each month, maybe send them a couple of questions that can be aired on the show or bring them on for 10, 15 minutes backstage on StreamYard and just get them to join in at the end for Q&A or some fun like that. But yeah, thanks for all the support from all our haulers. Uh, in the meantime, I do actually have some questions from the chat for you, Craig. So I think we'll start with those Q&As and then we'll thank everyone and get you out of here before it turns any darker outside. I was so, going to say, it's, dark. it's the middle of the night here now. <laughs> so you have FPL Robert Ducky in with the first question, who is having an active bench? So we'll, we'll go with you, Craig, for that one. Yeah, I've got all three of mine I'm expecting to start at the moment. I've got double Brentford, I've got Sade in midfield and Rico Henry. Um, and I've also got the Burnley defender whose name I've suddenly forgotten, the four million guy. They just signed him permanently, I think. He was there on loan last year and they've made it permanently. He's four million. Bayer, I think that's his name. Yeah, Bayer. Bayer. Yeah, so I've got, I've got him as my third defender. So it's a cheap bench um, in theory, but I think they'll all play just in case. No, I, got, like, I usually start with a completely dead asset of four million, four point five strikers. Quite common for me, but at the moment I don't have that. I think, so midfield... I, f- so I think that answers the next question from Niels about anyone not going with five in the midfield. Um, I, I imagine the fact that you have a third bench player means that obviously you're not going with five in the midfield as it stands. Uh, I'm in a bit of a tricky spot because I've got Evan Ferguson at the moment as my third striker. Just mm-hmm. because I want a Brighton attacker for that Luton game and I can't fit Matoma in or anyone. I, I don't know if I even want Matoma. I think he's a bit of a bandwagon from the back end of yeah. last season. I'm not actually that sure. He's actually good for Point FPL. Dodger. I think he's a good footballer in general. Point but not Dodger. For FPL Point Dodger. Yeah. So Serial I can't Dodger. think of a better way to get to Brighton at the moment than having Evan Ferguson as my third striker. So I've got that now. That could change. Um, to allow that, I've got 5.5 million mid. So Sade... I think is is an option for that spot. Um, but I, I'm not against having five premium midfielders and maybe going to a completely dead third striker. It is a possibility before game week one. So what would you say... Enciso? What about Enciso? Yeah, I think Enciso, um, people are underestimating like the fact that they think he's just going to play a striker or on the wing. But 
they're going to buy more attackers. And I think they're already starting to maybe change the way they're going to play slightly. So I'm not sure he's going to be like the focal point as people are quickly rushing to, as a lot of these yeah. wingers have been moved into midfielders this year outside of forward from FPL. But um, what I was going to say is essentially, um, if you did want a 4.5 fodder, the, the new tip on the street, and I know you're a man of team value, Craig, so you'll appreciate this, is that Sims has left his Premier League club. Yeah. So I, I believe he'll be price locked when the game launches, which means even if people sell him, it won't be a scenario of, uh, you know, Greenwood from Leeds last year where he did drop to 4.3 or so while I started losing out on team value and bleeding early on. So that's an option there to think about. Um, just in terms of other questions, so this is on goalkeepers from Bluefooted, FPL Bluefooted Booby. Sorry if I missed it, but how does Fabianski stack up? If he leaves, is Ariola a no-brainer? So I think Ariola is one of the most picked players in the game right now. He's obviously a 4 million goalkeeper. It seems to be that even last season, the talk was he was meant to be like the successor to Fabianski eventually. So are we any closer to that this season? And if Fabianski was to actually leave and they don't buy anyone to become a new first-choice keeper, would you guys consider actually having Ariola and just starting him ahead of any of the 4.5s? I think that's a question of playing style. Um, there's no, there's nothing in the stats or the tactics. I think to to say that the the West Ham goalkeeper is going to be a good pick. I mean, they 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 do concede a lot of shots outside the box, but they pair that up with very few saves per ninety, and that's not a combination you want to get yourself into. I don't think. Not for me. I've got a shout out to K7 as well. What's up? Let that hold us back. Uh, David Campbell, thanks for the kind words. Great show so far, guys. Informative and entertaining. This question from Niels, we will come back to in the midfielder episode about Cloyver. Um, Niels asks, do we call Bellen Bayer active? This would have been a long time ago in the show. I don't know who was active then, but I'm sure it was <laughs> one, of, one of the things we discussed. But on that note, is there a 4 million defender of choice for you, Craig, at the moment? Because there's Talks of obviously the ones we've mentioned there, those two. But Blue also mentions um, the hero we don't deserve in Branthwaite. First goal scorer of 23-24, Benson as well here. So what are your thoughts on uh, these 4 million players? Is there one that could be the new Lundstrom or the, you know, is there someone of that calibre waiting, like a Lord Lundstrom in the making? No, not one that's going to play central midfielder, I don't think, no. Uh, I think Bayer's probably the one that, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't start right now. Bulldog as well at Sheffield United. I think he's probably first choice right back. So I, I imagine he's likely to start. Brentway was obviously really good at PSV. He played a lot of minutes. So it's a possibility with him, but I wouldn't assume he's first choice because he's so, um Amari Bell was away on international duty. We might not even be back in time for game week one. So that'll be quite annoying for people if he's if he's not even available. So but, you know that, that's a very good point i think people are underestimating he's actually away right so he's not he's not going to be there for the first few game weeks so i'm not sure i want to start there um it's just two three more questions and then we'll get out of here as we get to the two hour mark we did say we'd not do two hours but Niels knows us very well <laughs> at some point the pod will take two hours due to listing the 10k subscribers while nemo wears his mankini <laughs> so yeah I, i've done ali g i've done pikachu i've said no mankini till 10k subs but I'm sure there's another fancy dress costume <laughs> waiting. We're just shy of two and a half thousand subs. So maybe at two and a half thousand, we'll have a celebration party. See if we can get us there, haulers, before next week's uh, episode on Monday the 17th. Any final questions here? 
I have from Travis McKill for you, Craig. Craig, how will Villa line up with Ramsey out and will Archer have a role this season? Uh, that's quite a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure who will start left midfield now. Will they play Buendia out there for a while? He's, he can play both sides. McGinn, maybe. Leon Bailey, maybe. They're the sort of players that have been used in our wide central midfield positions. Is it even possible that Tielemans might be used there temporarily at the start of the season? I think it's it's viable. The thing for us right now is, I'd say we're in a process of adaption. We play two sixes right now and the two outside um, midfielders, the wingers technically, move in front of them to play as two eights. So it gives us a very big box midfield with no with no wide midfielders. Um, last year, Ramsey and McGinn mainly played those wide roles ahead of Kamara and Louise. With Torres and Carlos uh, in the team this year, we may be able to lose one of those sixes to play Tielemans next to Kamara in some games. I, I wouldn't know at the moment what we, what the, the number one solution is for the Ramsey role. He's quite a, quite a useful ball carrier for us. Um, so I don't know who naturally fits that. We haven't really got anyone like him. My gut feeling is probably Buendia, but it's, it's an unknown. Archer, um, you'd like to think he would. Um, Duran, who uh, Gabe might know a bit better than me from MLS, um, has obviously come and I don't think he's ready yet. So I think a loan for him would, would do him good, which leaves us short. We've been, we've been in the market for another forward, may, mainly one that could maybe double up as a wide player as well. We haven't secured a player for that role yet. So for now, I think we'll keep Archer as the Watkins backup. Um, but Watkins plays a lot of games, doesn't miss, doesn't really get subbed off either. So I Maybe if we're losing, we'll throw Archer on for 10, 15 minutes. And he's probably one of the more attractive ones. I can see that at the 4.5 strikers, but I probably wouldn't get him, to be, to be honest. Um, it's, it's an unknown. I think unless we, he proves himself to Emre in pre-season, um, I, don't, I don't see him starting games. Thank you. I've got one more Villa question for you, then one defender question, and we'll answer all the questions about the midfielders and strikers and Salah or no Salah in the midfielder and striker episodes um, just to get out of here. So the the Villa question, in fact, is about Nakamba. Akebos, is Nakamba any good? He's 4.5 million, obviously. And Bluefoot has said he's marvellous, Akeb. Hopefully he goes to Luton. We could, we could, we could do with the money for him. <laughs> he's not an FPLSA. He's a defensive midfielder. So he's not an FPLSA. He doesn't possess any goal threat. Um, say so if he goes to Luton, I imagine he'll be someone that plays every game. I think he was quite one of their key reasons why they ended up doing as well as they did. I think he showed up there midfield and he was very good for us as a tenacious midfielder. He just wasn't very good with the ball. And, and as we progressed, obviously we needed someone who was a bit better with the ball. So maybe Luton need that sort of harassing type midfielder who gets on everyone's case and presses really well. So not for us, he's certainly not an asset. He won't play any minutes for us, but should he leave most likely for Luton then if you just want a third bench for 4.5 million mid, who's going to get you two points or maybe one point if he gets booked, um, he could probably fit that role in your squad. But you're confident but, of him yeah. at least starting. I think that's maybe one for next week, but there does not seem to be a plethora of 4.5 million mids that are tempting. And for me, I think Nakamba is the closest to a 4.5 million mid I would go for in a free 4 free. The amount of midfielders in the game this year, you can't be resort into that can you I don't think I might not even, I might not even bother with that with that low with that uh, with that price point yeah. mm. I started to do the preparation I looked at it and I went 
And the last defensive question from Val. So better defensive asset between Luke Shaw or Gabriel for game week one to game week six. I think it's going to be quick fire. Just each of you say your pick. Yeah, so you're Shaw. Luke Shaw. Yeah, sure for me. I actually think Saliba's better than Gabriel as well, um, Mm. personally. Interesting. I, I'm going to go for sure for now as well. Yeah. I think if I was going to sell one of the two from my draft, it would probably be Gabriel. And okay, this one from Nick Khan as well, because he is one of our haulers. It is a defender question too, unlike all the midfielder ones. How do you feel about a free man rotation with Botman, Mings and Pinnock to go along with Trent and Estupinian starting every game? So this takes what we were saying about rotation earlier and actually puts three 4.5s into one slot. And you just rotate and then you have two bench 4.5s as well at all times that always play. I mean, it, I mean, it, there's logic about rotation, but the problem is we're just given all these caveats about Mings and Pinnock and pe- people like that and whether these players are actually going to be nailed in a few weeks. Botman's fine, but, you know, you might end up thinking you're okay, but then you've got to make a load of transfers. You're going to start making wasting transfers on defenders. I personally think I'm just going to... The more I think about this, the more I'm going to swerve that price point. Mm-hmm. You yeah, okay. and every week as well. I know the first couple of weeks are good, but there's a couple of bad ones straight after that. I know he's got attacking output, but I think it's a possible bench in some of these game weeks um, in the earlier... Was it four and five? I think they're quite poor. Yeah, he that? could be part of the rotation. It's Stupinian himself. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's in that... I don't think you want to... Sign him up as someone you want to play every game week. I think there are weeks you could probably bench him. And at five million, I think that price point allows you to do that. Yeah, that's fair. And I think clear. The, the, the last that. thing, the last, I just want to mention one thing is that all, all the data that we've reviewed today suggests that heavy investment in defense probably isn't the best idea. And that's a lot of money yeah. to be investing in defense. Yeah, it is very good point. That's a fair just, point. That, that's a fair point. I think if we're looking at we're looking at a moderate investment for right. for defense this year rather than light or heavy, it's, it's it's in the middle. And I think realistically, you know, you're talking that that five to five and a half million is the sweet is is pretty much the sweet spot for me. And historically, that's the the five million price point. That's what usually gives the best value for de, for defenders. You get the best value from that price point. Okay, awesome, guys. So just a quick couple of bit of housekeeping to do. So obviously, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you've enjoyed it, if you've laughed, if you've found something new, please hit that like button. A big thank you to Craig as well. Can you let the listeners know where they can find you and also your show as well, not just on Twitter, but just generally give us a little plug while you're here to thank you for all your hard work? Yeah, so my handle's on the on the screen, man on pod underscore Craig. I do a pod on a Monday, funny enough. Uh, the man on pod, there's four four of us that do that. Um, we do one pod a week, a bit like yourselves here, and we try and do a few little extra bits and pieces um, throughout the week. I try personally to try and do some tactical pieces now and again. That's like a solo little venture that I do. I'll try and do some of those as the season starts around matchups and, and things like that, and have a look at things like that. So. Yeah, um, we're on YouTube, all the other places you tend to listen to your pods. You can come and find us on there. We did one earlier today um, that you can go and listen to. Nice. We'll be sure to, we'll, we'll put that when we promote this episode tomorrow as well. We'll put that in the comments for anyone who's following us on it. That whole so you can easily find Craig and the man on pod. In terms of next week's episode, we got some very exciting news. Um, so we have another special guest coming on for the midfielders this week. And um, it's been years in the making. We've long waited to drag him on. But we will be having a FPL general. Mark himself is going to be coming on as well. 
So it's going to be a hard act for him to follow you, Craig, but he's going to try. Sure, I'll manage. Sure he's fine. going to try. He's going to try. But yeah, so so that, that's going to be awesome. So we're definitely looking forward to that one as well and hopefully get philosophy from him too. And then Mariner, I know you're looking for some uh, helpers in the community. So do you want to <laughs> oh, well, mention, yeah. uh, mention twat talk, as you called it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I see all these people with all this bloody TikTok bloody crap flying around and Instagram and all this lot. And I've been messing around with these accounts for long enough. And I, I'm bloody 52 years old. I can't work this shit out. <laughs> could someone help us? Because if you could help us, we'll we'll gladly have you on board at that, that hall. You could be our social secretary. <laughs> <laughs> we really need help. With all honesty, we need help. We've asked in the we've asked in the Discord. We didn't really get any takers. If any one of the members actually didn't see it in Discord and want to shout us out, by all means, they'll get the first refusal. But if not, you know, we really are looking for some help to try and just plug a little bit of stuff just through the socials. Because quite frankly, I ain't got the bloody time, and nor have I got the ability. Um, Gabe, too busy with his bloody statistics, and Nima, well, he's just too busy just pressing the flesh, which is what he does for that. <laughs> Press the flesh. <laughs> so on that note, thank you again for all the new haulers from uh, last week's episode as well. So we had Niels, Niels Apples, a new hauler, Jasper and Singh, Nick Khan, FPL Rubber Ducky's back. He's rejoined. Big Mike and Kevin Rose, FPL Saffer. So we have seven new haulers since last week. The family's growing very quickly. As we are so late on time, two hours, eight minutes in, and we've interacted with most of the haulers who've been here live, we will do the full shout out next week. But thank you to everyone who's new to the channel and enjoy your fishing bait emoji for the next month uh, until you <laughs> earn the full-fledged fish status. So cheers, guys. We will see you all next time for the midfielders episode. Special thanks to Craig Kemp from Man on Pod. Honestly, it was such an amazing episode with you. He's love to hear your take and hear you bouncing off Gabe. And the rest of us will be back at 7.30 p.m. on Monday the 17th for, for the next show and start to get your questions in on midfielders, start to think through your drafts, seeing as everyone seems to have five of them. But otherwise, <laughs> thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next time and peace out. Cheers, guys. Cheers, peace guys. Out. Solly, not Solly. Anyway. <laughs>